I'm Professor Radisson. This semester, I propose that we refuse to waste our limited time together debating the existence of the big man in the sky. Fill in the papers I've just given you with three little words. God is dead. I can't do what you want, I'm a Christian. Welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. And we are excited to welcome back to the pod our first two-time guest. That's right. Franklin Graham, it's good to see you. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Kelsey Lair, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be back. How are you doing? How have you been handling corona? Oh, better than ever. Playing so much Animal Crossing. The only way to do it. Yeah, you and Michael both play a lot of this game. Okay, listen. Absolutely. (laughs) Am I in the triple digits in terms of my Animal Crossing time? Of course. But I can't compete with Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk numbers here, the more relevant (laughs) question is how many stars does your island have? I think I'm still a three-star island. (laughs) (laughs) Two-time only guest, Kelsey Lair. (laughs) Welcome. And (laughs) owner of a five-star Animal Crossing island. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The only ranking she needs. I was going to say, I protest the system. They, uh, the whole the whole methodology it's completely opaque if we don't have some transparency and how towns are going to be evaluated then i refuse to acknowledge this you know i thought i saw one of those people uh handing tom nook's bells anyway on the side no definitely tom nook inveterate capitalist i don't even know if he needs bribes because his whole system is being is bribing there's sort of a pay-for-play situation going on though yeah my town flag says eat the nooks I just expected a little bit more from Isabel. I thought she was really going to be the moral compass of the situation. No, she's an HR person at her core. <laughs> and fair, like HR, fair. she is on the side of the enemy. Uh, but she has a very sweet uh, face. Like, she's very nice. She's a very nice, friendly face on the uh, awfulness that lies at the core of Animal Crossing. So, Michael, what are we talking about this week? We've been doing a lot of heavy things. The world has been tough. So what did, how have we responded? Yeah, so uh, like we always do, we escaped into media uh, <laughs> to find some sweet sucker from the hardship of life. Uh, and so we picked a film. Kelsey, stop crying. <laughs> You're ruining the vibe. <laughs> and so we watched 18 seasons of Parks and Recreation. And <laughs> no, so we decided to jump into a movie that has been on our radar for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is maybe one of the founding ideas of Shitty Christians. It's like, well, if we start this podcast, one day we're going to be able to talk about God's Not Dead. Holy shit. Yeah. And that, that time is now. It's here. You know, we, I, we had talked about saving it for a very special episode. But, you know, the truth is we all just doing what we got to do to get by. And for us, that was watching this seminal piece of filmmaking. Yeah. I had no idea about any of the plot. Oh, I love I had that. never watched a recap. I had never watched a trailer. And so I just went in just feet first expecting Paul Thomas Anderson and getting it. Yeah, so before we get into the plot of the movie, why don't, Zach, tell me a little bit about what is God's Not Dead? Because someone out there is going to be like you and be blessedly free of all the information we are about to visit upon them. I did not know that this movie existed. I'm staggered by this because this, this movie exploded way out of the evangelical circles like i have seen like 50 hour long youtube takedowns of this thing like this is all over left twitter like it was it was a thing well in 2014 when this movie came out and i am actually not exaggerating here i was living in the woods without the internet so that would probably explain it 
She uses this a lot as an excuse. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, what what else are you justifying with your? <laughs> I think there's like just big blocks of of like total lack of pop culture awareness from like 2012 to roughly. 2015. Well, of all the things that you didn't get to experience, <laughs> this was the one I'm so glad that we could help you rectify. If there's one thing that you missed from that era, I'm glad that this is what we all got to share together. It, it filled in a lot of holes for me. <laughs> <laughs> the God-shaped one. Yep. Foremost of all. <laughs> Boom. So God's Not Dead was put out by uh, our favorite company and yours, Pure Flix, Pure in 2014. Flix. And uh, I think the company existed before that, but this is the movie that really put them on the radar. Correct? Oh, absolutely. So they had been around for a handful of years and been doing very, very low-budget things, but they were mostly doing movies that were like, Bible stories, mm-hmm. like they had one, but what about Ruth? Like that was that was their thing, <laughs> and it was sexy. Uh-huh. But yeah, so they've been doing this for a long time. But this was the one that put them on the map. This this mm-hmm. film was a, a smash hit. They took a two million dollar budget and turned it into sixty million domestic. Holy shit! Uh, which has been sort of their like these movies make a lot of money. Uh, right. David A.R. White, founder of Pure Flix, with his former Playboy Bunny wife. And this isn't coming through on the podcast, but my mouth is just hanging open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but David A.R. White founded the company with his wife, and they, this was the time that they transitioned out of telling Bible stories mm-hmm. and into, uh, shall we say, the discourse. Uh, if we're being very charitable, they stepped <laughs> in and they, they set out to make a political movie, and by golly, they succeeded. You know, it's it's really the sort of groundedness, the reality. You know, this is this is cinema verite. Yeah, well, and it's also they they got two million dollars together, so they got Dean Cain and Kevin Sorbo in it. Fallen Kings. That's all I can <laughs> say. And if you don't know who those people are, like I didn't. You probably lived in the woods for several years. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they were around before 2012, damn it. You have no excuse. They were 90s icons. Yeah. yeah, but for anybody who listened to my first appearance on the pod, you will know that I had a completely TV-free childhood. Interestingly, so did David A.R. White, the founder of PureFlix. His dad was a Mennonite minister. What? And he didn't see his first movie he, until he was in his teens. And he married a former Playboy bunny? That is glowing up. Uh, yeah, well, he, he got out of Dodge at 18, moved to L.A., and acted for like... A a couple decades um, before he started this company, <laughs> he was he was in a bunch of TV shows. He had not a storied career, but like he was in a lot of right, stuff. He was a working actor, uh, and he had a moment where he got into this supposed to be one-off religious script in between uh, in between seasons, and I think he figured out pretty quick, like, oh, there's something here. And Pureflix is massive at this point. Oh, I mean, yeah. They, they make tons. We, this, this podcast is brought to you by Pureflix. <laughs> We're talking about our boss. Honestly, the only sponsorship deal I'd expect, <laughs> except that would be so amazing <laughs> if we could be in the Pureflix universe. I would take the money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I would gladly appear on the Pureflix platform. Uh, but yeah, so he started this company. It was a huge hit. Uh, churches rented out entire theaters for this. Yeah. That was a big push that they did. They released a book. Or no, it was based on a book, but then they re-released the book and did a whole tour Mm -hmm. and went around to churches. And they really sort of started this, taking, I think, up the 90s evangelical mantle and bringing it into this new era of really trying to reclaim the culture, quote-unquote. And Pure Flix at this point is now a streaming service. Yeah. Uh, they, they are the Christian Netflix. They they publish things under their name. Like, it, they have continued to expand. They've got about 125,000 monthly subscribers currently. Totally what your mom needed, Michael, back in the era when she was reading, what what was oh, it? Oh, God. Uh, uh, plugged in. Plugged in, yes. yeah, to, to see what movies you could so see I am so glad not. that this did not exist because we definitely would have been the market for it. 
This is all I would have seen. All the, I wouldn't know <laughs> that Kevin Sorbo was Hercules or Dean Cain was Superman. I would just know them as evil lawyer and evil professor. Hot evil lawyer. Hot evil professor. <laughs> they do specify that Thank they're both you. hot. That was probably in because the contract. Because they're both hot. No, because they're clearly not. So they were like, no, you need to put it in there. Somebody call me hot. So... God's not dead. Zach, tell me, what is the premise of this film? For those of you who are un- blissfully uninitiated, like our guest today, Kelsey, is <laughs> a young Christian gentleman named Josh. He goes off to secular college, and I know that's going to chill down your spine like it did mine. Ooh, Absolutely. Yes. Josh ends up in a basic philosophy class where the professor, played by Hercules, Kevin Sorbo, makes every student sign a pledge stating that God is dead. Minute one. That is the opening salvo of his class. Josh says no. Dun, dun, dun. I can't sign it. I'm a Christian. That was a pretty good Josh. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, they should have cast you. I would be in a much better situation in terms of health insurance right now, probably, <laughs> if they had. Honestly, probably not. These people notoriously <laughs> underpay their people. <laughs> so with that, I say let's begin at the beginning. Zach, why don't you why don't you open this up for us? Uh... So it opens up like every single Pure Flix film, and it looks like we're in a Nicholas Sparks novel. Gold, we see fields. My first comment watching the movie was like, oh, the South. Yeah. Which is amazing because it's filmed all around where we live. And it's a college campus mostly. But it's also, they're introducing before, one, a four-minute song plays. And I know this because (laughs) I checked. Before anyone talks, a four-minute song plays. He knows because he cried for those four minutes. Got a little curious about this song because I was like, man, they are playing this whole ass song. And (laughs) it's a Christian contemporary song that I didn't recognize, which let me tell you, is a rarity. (laughs) Because all the bands that are making the music now are the same ones that were making the music in the late 90s when I was listening to it. Different people, same bands. Same bands. Uh, And they still (laughs) all have their house style. So I looked it up. That intro song, sung by the lead actor. No fucking way. Josh? Josh is predominantly a musician. And that was him. Yeah, I see it. Uh, And so, yep, I'm sure that was in his contract too. This was his Selena. Yeah. so (laughs) (laughs) So we established... 40 characters up front as the song plays, and we don't know anything about them. It just keeps cutting to new random (laughs) scene with no reason to exist. There's a woman (laughs) buying wine, and she does it like a commercial. Like, she picks up the wine and then stares at it for several seconds and then smiles at it. Smiles at the wine bottle as if she, she has been given inner peace by it and then places it in her basket i uh, actually missed that entire moment oh no because it, yeah. i was terraforming on animal crossing <laughs> as i was watching this movie i, I mean if you're going to uh, have that sort of lack of dedication kelsey <laughs> i'll leave to the pure flex <laughs> cinema universe this is our marvel uh, <laughs> We're not going to mention every single character Disagree. because that would take. An, we are going to, but not in this this opening uh, montage. Except for a woman leaving her job, putting on a hijab, and getting into a car with a very intimidating Arab man. Yeah, so they basically went to central casting and said, yeah. give me like a 1940s political cartoon caricature. Like it is, I only say this because I think the film intentionally chose this person. And as we see from his behavior, yeah. they are making this point. I'm not trying to insult this man's appearance. No, of course. But they, they cast racist. Like they, they yeah. just straight up went in there and said like, get, get, me, get me like somebody kind of, you know, you know, moody. And, and actually, this is not... The first time we see the woman and her father is not when she's about to get into the car. It's when she's already in the car. Yeah, she's being dropped off, Zach. And he adjusts her hijab for her. Yes, he leans over and That's makes right. sure that it's covered up and properly. She gets, then she gets out and takes off her hijab. 
Yes. So you know she's not one of those, is what the movie is very clearly saying. Yeah, but let's keep going. There's a lot to cover. So then let's get into the plot proper. We find our lead, Josh. Mm -hmm. Josh is registering for classes with a fellow 12-year-old. He's wearing a Newsboys shirt. And a giant cross. A giant cross, a Newsboys shirt, and then a flannel to cover up the Newsboys shirt. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't fool me. I knew that was a Newsboys shirt immediately. Saw it so quick. Didn't know Newsboys would actually appear in the film, but we'll get there. Uh, Also, right before he goes to this thing to register for class, it pops up God's Dead and then not get scrawled over the title. Oh, that's another thing I missed because terraforming. Yeah. So So Kelsey, I don't know why Kelsey's here. Kelsey, you know film is a visual medium, right? (laughs) Also auditory. And, you know, there's there's been a lot of research on the fact that, like, we as humans have really, like, overemphasized our sense of sight compared to all our other senses. Oh, so Um, really this was training for you. For me, it was. She's like, I'm going to focus in on my sense of hearing here. She is like the Batman. She is trying to sort of be able to find her enemies. Uh, I also think that in order to really keep honing the next time you're terraforming your Animal Crossing island, you need to do it blindfolded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So just officially, the title of this film is not God's Not Dead. It's God's Dead Not. (laughs) (laughs) So Josh registers for class with a fellow student. Yeah, a fellow student signs him up for his classes. I have worked at now a great number of of universities, Mm -hmm. and at none of them do fellow students sign you up for your classes. Yeah, this is going to be the only moment where Kelsey's experience as a professor does not match with this film, though. Yeah, right. After that, <laughs> Other I am that. just lockstep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's being signed up by another yeah. student. And so he's like, talking about, like, humanities, whatever. Who cares? Uh, and he's going to sign up for philosophy, whatever. Yeah, doesn't matter. And the the student looks at him as he signs up, sees the cross, and says, hey, man, you might not want to do that. That's like a snake pit. A snake pit and the Roman Colosseum. And he's being like, you know, these topical yeah. references that kids use when they're talking to each <laughs> other. Uh, and and uh, Josh is a little like, he's like, "What? come on, man, it can't be that bad. And he's like, it's your funeral. So like. <laughs> and, 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 but, and, and so Josh is like, this will be fine. Goes on. We meet a few more characters. So many characters. Uh, just to, just, just going to do a rundown. We have a liberal lady who has a series of bumper stickers, including meat is murder and I heart evolution. Yep. You know that, that liberal slogan. That bromide that we're all so used to chanting at each other. It's true. On Chris, Shitty Christians, how many times have I said to you, Michael, how are you today? I heart I evolution. Heart evolution. <laughs> it's just, Holy kiss. You know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> unholy kiss. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, like, you couldn't just do the, like, Darwin fish eating the sign of the fish. No. Like, I've seen that one a billion times, but that would that was too subtle for this picture. They needed to go print out. I looked. <laughs> it doesn't exist. You have to buy it on, like, Redbubble or one of those things that just prints shit for you on right. command. The iHeart Evolution. And it was from a store that only prints I Heart Everything. And let me tell you, that list of other things that it hearts was extensive. <laughs> and troubling. <laughs> Uh, I can also, think of a few bumper stickers I would have printed at that store. There you go. Uh, the leftist lady wakes up late mm-hmm. because her alarm clock from uh, apparently 1972 sure. is off. Yeah. She's roughly 30. No, they've had a power outage. It's blinking midnight. Yeah, sure. But that's what, it, like, she's a but woman she's in her phone. early 30s who doesn't have an alarm on her cell phone. And then, even though she is running late, she still takes time to microwave her coffee. But it's coffee in a paper takeout <laughs> cup 
with true. a plastic lid in the microwave. That's why. She, that, which I have to say is the most monstrous thing that happens. That's why she this. gets sick later in the film. Very, very normal for someone who thinks meat is murder to use just disposable cups. To disposable cups, but then like it's it's plastic lined paper and plastic. Like you can't microwave that shit. One, it will destroy yeah. itself. And it's made of poison. And it's made of carcinogens. But also like that plastic's gonna fucking melt. What are you doing? You turn into our uh, bonus episode where Michael talks about how you properly heat I, up I, and make coffee I, okay, for listen, four to six I, I'm hours. I'm staring at my Chemex right now. I can get it going. We can take a quick break. No, it was just... <laughs> no, it's madness. I, I, it really upset me more than almost anything else in this every movie. Mo- and we'll get this later. Every moment in this film is inhuman. Yeah, absolutely. Even the accidental ones. But you know what? Actually, this woman with her I Heart Evolution bumper sticker, is the only person whose experience I related to even a little bit. One is... You would. <laughs> because I have a flip phone, and often my alarm does not go off. And second of all, because the next time we see her, she is on the phone because her GPS has been stolen. Her GPS, oh, her car GPS that was. has been stolen. Her car gets broken into. Her GPS has been stolen, and her phone will not bring up the directions. So she calls her boyfriend, who turns out to be a huge dick. Dean Kane doing business. And asks him for directions. And let me tell you, the number of times... So because I have a flip phone without a GPS on it, uh, the number of times that I have to call and say, like, I'm at this cross street, and I'm trying to go here. Can you please tell me what to do next? Because the directions that I texted myself were inaccurate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is weekly. And I, I, I inevitably send her on a wild goose yeah, chase. Yeah, yeah, You're just like, yeah, take a left. I don't know. Kelsey, take another one. Kelsey has never been anywhere. Yeah. Just yesterday, I was trying to get to the dermatologist. You're and somehow I was like, still circling the block right Yeah, now. right. I'm like, mom, I'm at this intersection. Did I miss it? True story. Her mom's Dean Kane. True. Not, not a true story. True. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, we see Dean Kane doing business. There is the oldest woman in the world. Oh, yeah. And her daughter is trying to give her chicken. Uh, but they were at no, least... No, their caregiver. Her caregiver is Yeah, her caregiver her is feeding her exclusively chicken at this point because it makes it so happy and her brain is so dementia-riddled that she can't remember that she had chicken a few hours ago. Right. And, but then the, the, the daughter sits down and there's at least five generations between these two people. Oh, yeah. There's no. no way this woman was young enough to ever birth a woman in her mid-30s. I mean, after she gave birth to Jesus, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, she's very old. And uh, I will say, they play her... They end up using her in a really cynical way at the end. But this scene actually got to me a little bit. Just, I, I don't know. I've had, uh, you know, friends who have dealt with this stuff. And, like, just... It's a really like emotionally intense scene to see somebody struggling with their memory that much mm-hmm. to then never really touch it. I will say the mom somehow still negs the daughter by saying, "I don't see a ring." Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and just to be could... clear, this is her daughter is a new person that we have not encountered yeah. yet. Yeah, so. there's yeah, this there's is, like fifteen of them. Yeah, this yeah. is not the same woman whose GPS doesn't work. No. just to be clear, yeah, there are so many characters in this movie. It really does weave a, uh, weave a rich tapestry. <laughs> Of, uh... of white people and <laughs> one really problematic Arab family. So finally, we come back to Josh. Josh. Which again, if this sounds like deranged and like we're jumping yeah. all over the place, that's this entire yeah, movie. Yeah, I am accurately describing the plot. And it keeps doing it the entire time. It will cut away in the middle of scenes <laughs> just to give you some random update on a character that doesn't matter. It is The filmmaking in this is frankly impressive. And, and for a little outside perspective here, I will say, listening to y'all's synopsis of uh, the abortion film, I got confused. 
If you feel that this is equally discombobulating, it is not because of the people doing the summary. It's because the movie is actually so confusing. Yes. That's true. So, finally, we have Josh, who looks like a guy in your youth group from 2002. And he walks in in his Newsboys t-shirt and sits in a classroom of 30 people, which he later describes as 80. I'm going to say it's a solid 45. We should probably argue about this a lot. Yeah, I like it. To me, it felt like a reasonably sized classroom, but probably not big enough to be like a intro required liberal studies course. Yeah. And then Kevin Sorbo swaggers in with the biggest dig swagger I've ever seen. He swaggers in like he has just been like laying pipe for weeks. See, he swaggers I in totally like he is disagree. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I, I see for me this was like an attempt to swagger that from its first moment falls on its face so bad. And I don't know if that's his acting or if they're intentionally sort of undercutting him, but I think he totally fails at being a swinging dick in no, this film. I would say this film isn't successful in any of the things that it does That's intentionally yeah. so see and, and kevin sorbo's famous from the 90s playing a demigod you hate to see it yeah he lost it he forgot his parentage yeah from here on out uh he will be hercules yeah exactly hercules comes in kind of swaggering and he hair game still strong in my opinion <sighs> i don't know what you and kelsey think I, I mean i don't think that he's like a noticeably attractive man but i did think that his hair was pretty suave yeah. He's no Dean Kane, that's all I have to say. Yeah, Dean Kane looked good. <laughs> yeah, he was generically pleasant to look at. <laughs> Dean, Dean Kane's on his way right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dean, Dean Kane definitely heard you say that. <laughs> Dean Kane's got a Google alert set up in this room. <laughs> Dean Kane considers that a contract. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, come on up yeah. and see us sometime, buddy. <laughs> so, Kevin Sorbo. So, he swaggers in, and then he lists, he writes on a whiteboard a bunch of philosophers and asks, what they have in common. They're all white, except one. So yeah. that's one thing they have in common. Yes. All male, except for one. Except for one. And Ayn Rand. Yes. He lists these people because they are the seminal people in philosophy, according to him. These are the greatest minds. And they are <laughs> almost exclusively white, almost exclusively male. And the woman that you get is Ayn Rand. <laughs> Can you imagine saying Ayn Rand is important? And like all, more important than like context. Judith Butler? I, it just... It, it blew my mind. This is this is what they think of us. They think that we like Ayn Rand. <laughs> like so depressing. And then he asks what they have in common, and then he says, "They're all atheists." And then he goes on a ten-minute fugue rant about the like <laughs> uh, original Greek and Latin for these words. The longest speech. Uh, but the yes. longest speech about the etymology of atheism versus agnosticism. It's incredibly boring. It's supposed to be intimidating. It absolutely fails. So Kelsey is a professor and a teacher who has spent time in all of these fields. Yes. So Kelsey. On my first day of class, in order to not get absolutely eaten alive for being a woman who is a professor in my student evaluations, I start off my semester by giving my students candy. Have you tried having a penis? You know, that is the one thing I have not tried. I'm not sure if a strap-on would really, like, have the exact effect I was looking for, especially at some of the Christian colleges where I teach. There's only one way to find There's out. There's only one way to find out. Yeah. It definitely has an effect. We can all uh, agree with it's that. Gonna, that's going to be really interesting because I teach online for a Christian, for a Christian college. But um, College is basically OnlyFans. We all know that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I pass out candy and I go over my syllabus. Like, I'm not saying that that is a scintillating first day of class. It sure. absolutely is not going over a syllabus fucking blows. Mm -hmm. If you're a student, if you're the professor, it doesn't matter. Um, but in order to, like, get any modicum of respect for the rest of the semester, I have to start off by giving them candy. 
That definitely explains why you showed up here with a bag of Snickers. <laughs> These Snickers rule. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate I'm going to give you the best evaluation. Thank you so much. I, you're the you're only guest we've had back twice. But if you hear any rustling in the background, it's like them opening their little chocolate. That's right. <laughs> Frankly, I'm a little upset they're not full-size bars, but we'll move forward. <laughs> I do have one other question, Kelsey, Please. with regards to your teaching methodology. Do you, like Hercules, have multiple whiteboards with stuff written on the front and back so you can dramatically flip the whiteboard mid-sentence oh that is such a good question (laughs) it is i have never had a rolling whiteboard wow now to be fair professors actually don't get a lot of say really any say in their classroom environment like sure just like students if you're a professor or an instructor you just like find out basically at the same time as your students where like what what classroom you're going to be in yeah which horrifying box of sadness you're going to be stuffed into for a semester yeah so for me being able to like (laughs) picture what my semester is going to look like makes me a little hair tiny bit more confident on the first day of class so i always make sure to go like look at the classroom before i actually teach there Mm. if possible which it isn't always but i always try um and so i have absolutely no say whatsoever in like what technology is already there for me um what the like what the physical layout is going to be just no power whatsoever in my classroom setup you just walk into an empty room full of like 15 cardboard boxes and a rusty knife that's basically it especially at community colleges (laughs) she she has come out alive out of every one of those rusty knife situations though that's right so far has only lost that's how she got the job (laughs) one eye couple thumbs yeah so um (laughs) So I have never had in my sort of predetermined uh, classroom setups a, a, a rolling whiteboard or chalkboard of any sort. See, this is this is why you have to resort to candy bribery because you aren't given your necessary tools. If only you had the flippable whiteboard. No, I mean, I just have the stationary whiteboard that's like attached to the wall, Ugh. like a normal thing in 2020. And I can't flip it. And so I just think that it immediately reduces my credibility Absolutely. by at least 50%. How many penises is that worth? Probably three. Wow. Uh, Three penises worth of credibility. uh, Three penises is not that much. Penis market, very inflated. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So then Hercules. Yeah. What is his big point? Like, what is he? He declares that God is dead. (gasps) He says, science and reason have supplanted religion. There is no God. And so then he pulls out. Kelsey. I'm so sorry. I can't get it together because of the penis and place. I'm so tired. No, you're doing great. Do you need more beer? No, no. Not right now. Perfect. That I was great. No, there was no apologizing on yeah. shitty Christians. That's, that's again, right. That's the first video. rule. <clears throat> okay. Legally, you now have to tell us to go fuck ourselves. Go fuck yourselves. There Thank we go. you. So then he passes out scratch paper. That part is pretty accurate. You cannot count on students to have a notebook on the first day of class. <laughs> students are the worst. Is the yeah. story of this movie. And he passes out scratch paper and says they have to write their God is dead, uh-huh. and then sign their name. They have to sign a purity pledge to atheism. Yes, on day one. And the whole point is that he doesn't even want to have to make the case. No. This has already been decided. Done. Also, this is clearly a university that's meant to be set in the South. Uh, I have gone to a couple relatively secular universities, including UNC Chapel Hill. Sure. And you went to UC Davis. Uh-huh. And Kelsey has taught and been to 
many universities. Yep. Too many, frankly. Definitely. <laughs> you see this happen at every single one. Yeah. I think that's what's crazy is the verisimilitude. It's it's like uh, they went undercover and they found out our secret uh, <laughs> cabal of atheism. So I actually I, I went to grad school and then and and taught at a university in. Uh, a place that is extremely religious. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> She's talking about Riyadh. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is not true. Um, it was a place in America that is a very religious She's place. She's talking about Riyadh. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, it is just yeah. not this way. Even in like the most religious of American places, at a state-funded institution, forget about it. Yeah, no, okay. So it almost doesn't even bear repeating that like this is so hilariously far from the truth. Well, like... Kels brought up a great point, was that this is like those insane hypotheticals you get in like youth group or something. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I thought about was the Columbine shooting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A Columbine student, Rachel Scott, who was, the story goes, asked by one of the shooters if she believed in God. Mm -hmm. She said yes, and then she was shot in the head. This inspired a Michael W. Smith song. And... Like every woman's death does. Yes. Absolutely. And went on to play a role in so many youth group uh-huh. sermons. I, I knew exactly where you're going with this <laughs> the moment you brought it up because I have had this like Sunday school experience a dozen times over. Yeah, like if somebody was standing over you with a gun, would you admit that you believed in God? Like yeah. not even were you a Christian, yeah. right? Like not even did you have like any kind of specific theology at all. Just do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. I remember the DC Talk Book of Martyrs. Oh, yeah. And Rachel Scott was um, uh, in the Book of Martyrs. That's she right. was featured there, yeah. Uh, interestingly, total lie. Didn't happen. Really? They researched it out. There was a book that came out a little bit later. She may not have even been a believer, not that that's relevant, but it is an entirely made up story. And, and I, I want to be like really respectful of her death, right? Like I'm not trying to make no, fun absolutely. of her death whatsoever. And like whatever she did or didn't respond, like... Well, the, the point being that like the people that are being disrespectful about her death are the people that then took that death yeah. and turned it into yeah. a crusade, yeah. turned it into a martyrdom that didn't happen. A horrible thing happened. And instead of acknowledging the horrors of gun violence in our country, yeah. We had to turn it into a story about faith that, one, is just not factual. I feel very comfortable saying that, having like read about the book when it came out. But two, what a, what an evil thing to do, to just take somebody and twist it into your yeah. your, your own lives. image. Yeah. 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 And, and that's this whole movie writ large. So, yeah. class of 45 to 80 people. Uh, every single person signs it, which just wouldn't happen. There uh, is no, there is no, no group of 80, 40 people, much less 80, anywhere in this country that everyone would just immediately be like, yeah, cool. 90% of the country still believes in a monotheistic religion. Sure. They are Christian. Who cares? It he would matter. immediately be fired. He would also, he would be sued. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah and he's like, been doing this for years. Josh is the only person that stands up. because One this, out of supposedly 80 people. Yes. And Josh says, I can't do it. Can't do it. I'm a Christian. And Hercules, right. Hercules says, you have to do it. You have to, or, and if you don't, they go back and forth, or you have to defend that God is not dead. The antithesis, that God is alive. And if you fail, you lose 30% of your grade. Dun, dun, dun. Which, those are the stakes of the movie. 30% of a shitty freshman's grade. Well, and let me tell you what, my students, their mantra is D's get degrees. Yeah. So for them, losing thirty percent off the top, and, and it is not specifically stated that this is a safety school. Like, like <laughs> that's true. That's true. This is not an academically rigorous institution. Uh, Josh's girlfriend gets mad at him. She's like, "Why am I the salutatorian of my class at my third choice university?" She's because the only, of you. She's the only character because I you're too in this movie. dumb. <laughs> she's the only person that made uh, sense. So Josh says, "Oh, I can't do it." And 
the professor who ostensibly said we all need to sign this so we don't waste time on this question then says well probably what we should do then is me give you 20 minutes of class time for the next three weeks to defend this claim yeah we give you an hour <laughs> in presumably a 15 week semester which essentially will amount to like when the a whole, whole point, class period the whole point was to never have to deal with it we are now fucking dealing with it and i what I love about this, again, he's been doing this for years. No one else has ever not signed the pledge. This has had a 100% success rate up to this point. But he, So Josh, more, and so then he says, uh, but if you decide to sign it by next class period, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. You can so, still back out. So then Josh has his like, period of considering. So he goes out to the quad and immediately finds his girlfriend, who we're going to call Youth Group Girl. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if we ever actually know her name. It will not come up again. It's youth group. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> she accosts him about going to a dumb school, but she, per her own quote, says, I have the next 50 years of our lives planned out. Yes. They immediately set her up as an insufferable shrew in a way that is really, really insufferable. Because she's like, smart and demands yeah. that he do something. And that is, is portrayed worst. as super bad. It's super bad. Yeah. There's, there's really like three villains mm -hmm. in this film. Um, and only one of them is female, and it's her. True. I Absolutely. Thought, are we sure it's not God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit? <laughs> he also quotes C.S. Lewis here, and I want to be clear that uh, you have to take a drink at this point but listen oh, to man. our podcast. Uh, there are so many touchstones of evangelical faith, mm -hmm. so let's, let's just do a blanket statement that you have to take a swig anytime we bring any of them up, and you will all be dead by the end of this podcast. <laughs> Uh, this is a Jim Jones style situation, but more fun. Then we cut away and we have, we find Lefty Reporter with her plastic coffee and she is rushing out of her car to accost the Duck Dynasty guy. Yes. Yeah, so this is her whole shtick is she ambushes people of faith and asks them questions. Because she works for a publication called The New Left. And, and to be very clear here, the Duck Dynasty guy is not an actor in this film he's just portraying himself yes he so he's is. the literal like the guy the one with the really big beard yes the heavier that does not set narrow gentleman it down. Um, yeah. but the, he he's just playing himself yep and he's ju he's just going to church yeah and she in the middle of the week yeah and <laughs> yes, she runs up to him She's it, actually hiding oh, behind a pillar. She's hiding behind, she's hiding behind a pillar, church. like waiting to jump out at him. Like Jonah hiding from God. She <laughs> cowers behind the pillar. <laughs> when we meet the Duck Dynasty guy, before she jumps out at him, he is nagging his wife for wearing heels and being taller than him in heels. And Michael had a very visceral reaction when we were watching this. Yeah, so I don't know if we've covered this on the podcast. You My have not. <laughs> okay uh, my wife is many inches we're gonna go with many taller than me <laughs> you know honestly i can't count count yeah. that high she's six two i'm five not so <laughs> america's cutest couple thank you i and all i have to say is how dare this man how dare <laughs> this man ever insinuate that that is not fucking awesome because let me tell you that is fucking awesome <laughs> thank you uh we have been to weddings where she has worn four-inch heels on top I'm of I'm so proud of her. And you. <laughs> Thank you. There are pictures. You can't even see her. She's just like... <laughs> Every picture. I've never I've never actually She's never seen her had her, her, her head all the way in the <laughs> yeah. picture. It's just clouds. It's, it's like Moses wrapped in the Shekinah glory. You can't <laughs> look directly ever, at her. If you've ever seen the second Lord of the Rings film where uh, the Drink. hobbits are riding on the back of yeah. the Ent. <laughs> Not bad. That's basically my life. It's pretty great. Hey, man. 
Thank Good for you. you. Yeah, so it, they, they're trying to play it cute, but it's not. It's deeply and every, not cute. And, and that was just what it was. Is like They were trying to be like, oh, they're like a bantery couple. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's just like, I don't want you being taller than me. And it's just yeah, like... Even their banter is paternalistic. Yeah. And then Lefty Reporter's like sees the wife and she is so just to set the scene here so so the the wife the, in tall heels mm-hmm. is just beautifully manicured yes she's wearing a fancy dress i mean not a ball yeah. gown but, but like dress. a sort of business moderately casual dress mm-hmm. with with heels and like hair blown out hair blown out yeah, the nails. makeup and all, makeup on nails and everything and then her duck dynasty husband who's just like come in from the bush and is wearing uh camouflage and an, an american flag american flag bandana yeah yeah uh, needs to be stated that whole duck dynasty shtick is just made up for the show like they are not these dudes you can find pictures of them a couple years before where they all look like frat guys why is she ambushing the reporter Kellis or the duck dynasty guy so because she uh well she starts off by telling the wife like i'm surprised you're not barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen yes and the wife in her heels and perfect makeup says you know honestly i miss those days yeah she's like oh that was such a nice time it's been a while and he's like oh you want to have more kids like, yeah, you want to start again? And she's like, haha, no. But like, yes, she immediately starts reminiscing about her barefoot days in the kitchen. So Lefty Reporter uh, has <laughs> a couple of very pertinent, hard pointed questions. Hardball here. She is playing yes. hardball. Um, first of all, <laughs> do you, wife in heels, always agree with him, husband in American flag bandana? And she says, we're a team. Uh-huh. And we've been a team for 20 years. And so we don't agree on everything, but on the important things, yes, I agree with him. Yeah. She immediately says, I submit when it matters, basically. Yeah. She doesn't use the word submit, but she does. I was expecting, yes, we agree, but it was very clearly, no, I agree with him. Oh, yeah. He was so clearly in a role of headship. Yes. Anyways, second important question. Do you make all of your money from creating devices that allow you to maim and kill waterfowl? Zach, how would how would he respond to that question? I don't maim nothing. <laughs> I shoot to kill. That's right. Uh, so Much yes. like America's cops. God damn. damn. Hot take. <laughs> so yeah, her hard-hitting questions for her leftist blog, her new left <laughs> blog, new left. are like trying to ambush this wife about her role in the family but then so you admit that you're a hunter to the duck (laughs) dynasty guy in his full camo going to church it's utterly bizarre and it's really embarrassing and it was about this moment i realized like oh this is shitty christians (laughs) like we we are we are the reporter (laughs) like it's our that's what we do we try to ambush the religious institutions should we retitle our pod the new left the new new left except that you guys actually don't give them a chance to respond yeah that's what i'm saying this is what we're building up to (laughs) is sneaking into a newsboys concert to yell at michael tate (laughs) only thing you need to know from that scene according to the film that the film is trying to tell you is she's crazy and the duck dynasty people are super nice and reasonable because she keeps trying trying to escalate and they're just like playing it all chill Mm -hmm. and the whole point is like oh they're just normal folk but the other thing that we have learned in this scene is this woman needed directions on her way to this church uh because it is in the capital s sticks and Uh, her boyfriend has refused to give her dean kane yes dean kane doing business yeah uh has refused to give her directions and uh so that's the kind of the first clue that there's trouble in paradise here yeah because he's a businessman then brief scene where we see the world's most oppressive dad give a 
10 minute long speech to his daughter about why she has to wear a hijab. Yes. It was the Duck Dynasty guy. <laughs> this is what God wants. And really, really brief, briefly, uh, the, this, so this is the same woman, of course, who he adjusted her hijab on the way yes. uh-huh. to there's school. Only, there's only two Arabs in this Yeah, place. right. He <laughs> drops her off. You think maybe she's going to go to class? Yeah. No, no. She works at the cafeteria. I had this note as well. I wasn't sure if we were here yet, but yes. She is a cafeteria lady. She is not a student. So, back to Josh. You may have forgotten about our nominal lead, Josh. Loser. Douchebag. I have still forgotten him. (laughs) He definitely has uh, the Anne from Arrested Development face. So, Josh goes to church because he's deciding if he actually wants to do this. Debates philosophy professor to decide that God's not dead instead of just, say, dropping the class like his perfectly reasonable and nice girlfriend wants. Uh-huh. And there he meets a pastor who has the jawline of Chuck Norris. He, Josh tells him the whole situation because this movie is nothing but people summarizing their lives to other people. Yes. And pastor basically says, hey, you got this. This may be the only exposure to God these people might get in America. Mm-hmm. So, and the, I think the, ex- I'm not actually going to get the line exactly right, but he's like, how many people in your class? And Josh says, oh, about 80. He says, how many of them you think have ever set foot in a church? Yes. And he says, Josh says, probably none. <laughs> Zero yes. out of people at an American, presumably Southern university, have within ever, driving distance, we find out later, of Florida, uh-huh. have ever been inside a church. Totally <laughs> normal stuff, guys. Yep. The guy that plays the pastor is the founder of PureFlix. David Arrowhite is the <laughs> pastor. Yes. Sorry. I'm having Blowing. aneurysm, obviously. Yeah. Blowing my mind. I-, I want to talk about his plot at some point, but it's not super in earnest yet. Yeah, let's All let's we keep know rolling. is that he is the pastor of this local church. And he's, and he's a little sassy. He's just a tiny bit sassy. Yeah. And he has the bleach tips of uh, the guy that I had a crush on in youth group in 2003. He also looks like a deflated Mickey Rourke. Like, yes. uh, he's Mickey Rourke doing a lap band testimonial. Like, that is He's Mickey Rourke doing a lap dance testimonial? He just says two scripture passages. He just mentions two oh, yeah. scriptural his, passages. His he cool doesn't quote thing. them. No, he just mentions the He just the lists verse. the reference. Yeah, his whole approach to pastoring is just like, John 3.16. Bitch. And then Josh <laughs> is like, is that all you're going to do? And he's like, I mean, I guess if you really push me. First Corinthians thirteen twelve, and then he just walks away. That's his whole. That's what being a pastor is for. This guy is just referencing. Okay, being a pastor's kid, I can say that's hella on. <laughs> Having been a pastor, I didn't even name verses. I just yelled random syllables. <laughs> <laughs> he goes home and reads the passages that are basically like, oh, "Acknowledge me in front of men." I don't care. In this insane hypothetical. So what matters here is that he just decides to do it. Decides to debate the professor. Yes. Yeah. He, he says he's going to do it. To debate the professor and drop the class. of every single person in his life. All of whom he are Christians. He references his parents. He yep. references, yeah. No one supports him in this. Zero people. Even in my ultra conservative, super Baptist left, or right, <laughs> fundy upbringing, uh, the pastor was like, sometimes the Holy Spirit talks to you through people in your life who are trusted Christians. Yeah. What I also love, the last thing we're going to say about this scene, is that he texts the pastor. And says, I'm going to do it. The pastor says, don't be clever. Not an issue. I was, that exactly. My first thought was, I'm not worried about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not going to be like, a problem. just tell the truth. Uh, and then we cut, apropos of nothing, to back to Lefty Reporter. Again, she, this whole movie is just ping pong. She's at the woman's hospital. Oh, yeah. The aptly is named. This the moment? Yeah. Woman's yeah. Hospital. Oh, yeah. That, that was the actual title, right? Yeah, yeah. the Women's yeah, yeah. Hospital. You know where women go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she is in there answering texts, answering her phone while the doctor's trying to talk to her because she's a working lady. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, you said this movie only has one like uh, villain that's a female, but they initially portray her as villainous. Yeah, that's true. She's at this moment. She's like, "Oh, you know those women who work." It definitely you know that, is that. You, women be working. Yeah. In so this movie. what? As she negs the the doctor, uh, the, the, the is doctor she, is like, "I'm trying." She's doc- pushing a finger into his mouth. The doctor like, emails. Shh, 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 shh. The doctor emails her that she has cancer. Yes. <laughs> and that she it's bad. Actually, he says it to her he face. He does say it, yeah. <laughs> to be, to I be know, clear. Well, I know. <laughs> Sometimes you're... He, he's in our Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, of course, she has cancer because every Christian movie needs a cancer. Oh, yeah. Not just cancer. Lady cancer. Metastatic lady cancer. <laughs> That's the worst kind. That means cancer that has spread really far. Yeah. If you're a lady. <laughs> At the women's hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Getting woman treatments. <laughs> Just injections of women, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but first you have to I remove all your jewelry that. because it can be forcibly sucked from your body. Yeah, why did they bring that up? Five oh. minutes on that. Because piercings yeah. are in violation of Leviticus, obviously. Yeah, no, I, I genuinely think that was a, you know how you lefties do with your pierced, you know, labias. Like, it really was that scene. Ow. Then we cut to Josh, again, with his girlfriend, who's awesome, but the movie portrays as awful. And... He pretends he's forgot their anniversary. I actually think this is really important to say. Like, it's not that she's awesome and the movie says she's awful. It's that the movie needs to make her evil mm-hmm. in so intensely that like she doesn't get to be awesome. She becomes awful because she had but it's not that anything that she actually does is a problem. She just immediately has the raise the stakes super high for no yeah. reason. Oh, so yeah. like she doesn't get the chance to be human. She doesn't get the chance to like and and so it's this really weird scene where like her behavior isn't great. She just immediately no. is like she's obnoxious. Yeah, but it it's so unnecessary. The movie has to make her evil because she's a woman uh, who <laughs> do, has a demand of a man in her life. And and the the demand is she's basically saying like I had planned out our whole life, our whole the next fifty years, mm-hmm. and I need for you to go to law school. Yeah, and if you fuck this up and don't get an A plus in all of your classes, then you don't get to go to law school, and then my plan. Is in the shitter. Yes. So so she's like, you're going to ruin our lives by getting a C and an intro to philosophy class at a safety school, which implies that anything that's ever happened in a philosophy class has ever mattered. So he got her newsboy tickets, Josh. Yeah, and for, their for their anniversary. Because that's where they met. They were in different youth groups and they met at the newsboys. This was my dream as a yeah. youth group girl. Let me tell you. And I mean girl, like in high school. Mm-hmm. Meeting a dude at a newsboys concert would have been like the dreamiest. Oh, Absolutely. She realizes, however, when she sees some books, because if you're reading oh, yeah. books, something must be books up. Books fall and, out of his backpack, incriminatingly opening to passages of scripture. <laughs> and she's like, you're going to do it, aren't you? You're going to ruin our whole lives. And she's like, everything you do affects me. And it is that sexist. I'm not trying to be that yeah. way. The movie is that sexist. That's what I'm saying. Like, she has a very reasonable idea, but like the execution, they just keep pushing. It's just and strange. he And he gets to freak out on her. He just gets a full on freak out on yeah. her for like, oh, you're being so unreasonable. And, and it completely just obscures the fact that, like, he obviously has all the agency in the situation. Like, she, yeah. who is clearly, and is actually, like, it's explicitly stated, so much smarter than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, right? the like, movie she, says it. She's the salutatorian of their class. Yes. Like, she's the one who's super smart and is at this school because it's the only one he got into. Right. And of, to be clear, that is portrayed as a negative thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, she, having all the brains in the situation, could not possibly go to law school herself. Yeah. It has to be him. Because... She has to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Well, with the Duck Dynasty lady. 
I mean, they have to be in kitchen together. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one kitchen. She misses those steps. True story. Christians <laughs> only have one kitchen. We share it. It's, it's all a collective. commune. It's yeah. all a commune. Yeah. We it's, finally made socialism happen. Hooray. <laughs> so then we cut. So the pastor, the Pure Flix guy, is trying to go on a vacation with a missionary from Africa, the two of them together. An African missionary from Africa. Yes. Yeah, so this it's is not just clear. This is just a black guy from Africa with like yeah. a generic in heavy quotes African yeah. accent exactly so that we know that he is from Africa and he yeah. is always smiling and talking about faith and prayer and how God is good there are exactly two black people in this movie <laughs> one of them is oh G-Dog G-Dog no you can't just say that <laughs> no that this is what's happening what the movie does G-Dog gets exactly one line in the movie and that's to say hi I'm G-Dog he's, he's a guy in Josh's philosophy exactly. class who also signs that God is dead yeah no he, he's happy to kill God immediately G-Dog G-Dog was the truth like that G because he's God he and, killed God and became him and then the second one is this magical black person <laughs> the movie portrays him as magical several times. Absolutely. Wanna, it's a trope, to be clear. I'm not making that up. I wish this was true. But I actually think the movie unintentionally is saying that these two middle-aged men don't have families are going on vacation together. Yeah. And it's kind of sweet that they're part of a gay-affirming church. <laughs> I think it's heavily implied. Like, you don't have a lot of 45-year-old men in the faith going on vacation together and, and to a water park. The it's whole nice. time, their relationship <laughs> is very old married couple. Yeah. Like, because, like... Uh, cool pastor's always just a little unhappy. Yeah. And then, like, uh, magical black man pa- missionary, MBM. Uh, <laughs> but, like, literally, he is always just smiling and even keel. He is vibing. And, you know, telling telling the pastor, the other pastor, to calm down. And, and they like, have a constant... This is all God's plan. Uh, like, the fact that, like... <laughs> the whole reason they're going to Disneyland, to be clear, is because this uh, African missionary from Africa. Um, his mother. Ha- his mother wants him to go to Disneyland and take pictures. And that is the entire plot for the pastors. Until well, the and they end. have this constant call and response. Like every yeah. time something goes wrong, like they try over and over again and are thwarted over and over again on their attempt to go to Disneyland or Disney World, which they never succeed in doing. Yeah. But every time something goes awry, their call and response is, God is good all All the the time. time. And then the response is, all the time, God God is is good. good. You can't do both parts, Kelsey. God damn it. It's a call and response. I'm sorry. It's also a song. It's a worship song. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I mean, people say this in our church. Like, this is pretty normal. Uh, Evangelical. I said it a lot growing up. Uh, That call and response. Uh, and so, yeah, I was very used to that. But it's used in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. I've always seen it used, like, yeah. as sometimes as a greeting, although those people always sucked universally, not acceptable. <laughs> but sometimes from the pulpit, that was considered fairly normal. But this is used as a, like, you need to calm down. It's the call and response being used to be like, hey, hey, heat check. God is good. And then forcing the other pastor to be like, all the time and then that's like how they come back together no, i think they're a charming couple they're the only if, if they are a couple they're the only part of the movie i like they're the only couple that works in this thing yeah they have more chemistry than anybody else so finally we get to session one of josh defending god saying that god exists God, uh, that well-known wimp who can't defend himself in any academic institution (laughs) and needs the college freshman. Oh yeah, no. He's like God needs. He's a hero of the faith for sure. He needs my defense. Yeah, I'm not that bad interested in Josh's specific arguments. It really doesn't matter. They're really bad. 
Even they're, when they're not bad, they're bad. Yeah. So, but let's give like what's the basic outline? Basically, of this? he says that like the Big Bang kind of parallels Genesis. Yeah, evolution and, was actually Jesus, secret Jesus. Like yeah, all along. Yeah. Then he says Genesis one and the Big Bang are basically the same. So actually, religion had it right and science had it wrong. Yeah. For twenty five hundred years, religion knew what was up. I'm not going to get in cosmology this episode. We're going to do an evolution episode. I'm super excited for that episode. But, but yes, this is fucking not. But this is just, just at best, poorly thought out. Uh huh. Yeah. No. It, it, well, it, it is. It's the all you need to know about this movie is that its argumentation is always based on the idea that every atheist is very stupid <laughs> and mean. Yeah, stupid and mean. That is important. And uh, scarred. Yeah. 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 Exactly. The only the only way atheists happen is through personal tragedy. But and it's also it's it's it engages in so much. Uh, it's about taking down these supposed luminaries. Like, yeah. if you can make Stephen Hawking seem incorrect about anything ever, then you have disproven atheism. Yeah, As if ideas are only carried by, like, whatever person happens to be spouting them that well, week. Well, that's so funny. I'm glad you bring that up, because... First of all, a woman in the class brings up Dawkins. Yes. Which, by the way, no, but no, I've never Everybody met Everybody fucking hates I've Dawkins. I've never met an atheist who likes Dawkins. That's not true. I have, but they're terrible people. Most smart atheists think about Dawkins the way I think about Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah, no, there there is probably a shitty atheist podcast that is taking <laughs> down Dawkins the exact same I'm way. I'm so excited to be uh, on that podcast. Yeah, I would love to. But no, Dawkins is a reactionary blowhard. Nobody respects him. Yeah, like, a guy he's, who's like... He is a hyper anti-woman douchebag. Yeah, like, racist. Yeah, Stephen Hawking also sucked, by the way. But yeah, Stephen Hawking, well-known Epstein associate, abusive loved, loser. Yeah, loved hanging out at strip clubs. Not that that is inherently bad, but like, uh, there's maybe some weird stuff around that. That uh, no, Hawking was bad to women. Yeah, we can absolutely. just say that, and was not always right. Yeah. Like, like the idea that like, and but. Hercules brings up Stephen Hawking as if he is unimpeachable. Well, the as idea is like, do you think you're smarter than Stephen Hawking? <laughs> and. Yeah. heroically eloquent college freshman Josh. Yes, yeah. Josh Josh got the, uh, definitely went to high school debate a couple times. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, let me tell you what. I teach public speaking. Mm-hmm. I, freshmen, seniors, they're, they're all terrible. Yes. Every college <laughs> student is terrible. Yeah. That is the shitty Christian's guarantee. And most professors. Yes. <laughs> also the shitty Christian's guarantee. <laughs> yeah. No, 100% of professors, but most students. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely true. I would give up a, all my benefits as if I had them yeah. uh, to have a student as eloquent as Josh. Yeah, Josh, Josh. And Josh still sucks. Yeah. He still sucks, but he is <laughs> He's exceptionally good at commanding a classroom. We don't have to talk about this right now, but the other thing that Josh is exceptionally good at is Photoshop. Uh, oh, no, uh, is a uh, PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Because his, his like... You know, Mr. Professor over here just has a whiteboard and he's got parallax scrolling on his slides. <laughs> like the words are moving around. Like and they're... every time a word moves, there's like an accompanying audio like pew. Oh yeah. And at one point, like yes. he hits a button and like the words disappear in a puff of smoke. It's honestly way better shot than the actual movie is his PowerPoints. So after the class, Hercules stalks Josh oh, yeah. like a gazelle on the Serengeti and grabs his arm and whips him around. He assaults Josh. Absolutely. And gets in his face and says, you think you're smarter than me? I am God in there. I'll ruin you. Yeah, there is a God and in there I'm him. And it is 
It is amazing. If yeah. it had been Alec Baldwin, would have been a good scene. So again, what is ostensibly 30% of a grade in an intro level class that no one gives <laughs> a, a fuck about. At a shitty university. The point being that like the stakes aren't that high for this right. guy there either. There are no like, stakes. It's, uh, there are no stakes anywhere in this. But His whole... fragility is the point. Yeah, Wait, that's... is this a movie about male fragility? It is absolutely, it is actually... it is absolutely a movie about male fragility. <laughs> that is 100% true. <laughs> to be fair, every movie Why is Why do you secret... think I cry? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say, ruin your life, you won't get into law school, there's no such thing as pre-law? Like, I will actually... The whole thing that his girlfriend was freaking out ostensibly oh, for no to... reason. Yeah. I know. But it's. I think it's important to say, in this world, that threat is real. Like, Josh's right. actual future is actually on the line, according to okay. this. Which is hilarious. There's no way Josh ever gets into law school. I'm sorry. Yeah, Josh yeah. sucks. <laughs> Josh definitely sucks. Anyway, so he gets threatened. His whole future is on the line. He goes down to the quad. He's feeling low. And then his girlfriend just yells at him and says... Basically, yeah. how dare you displease me and breaks up with him here. Absolutely. And she's like, I'm not going to the Newsboys concert with you. And he's real sad about it. And let, let me just say and be very, very clear here. This is the only bad thing to happen to Josh in this entire movie. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say ever. In yeah. a movie where everybody or their mom gets cancer or dementia. Uh-huh. <laughs> or worse, as we're about to get Or into. worse. Yeah. The only stakes for Josh is that his girlfriend who is a huge capital B bitch anyway yeah. breaks up TM. with him. Yeah, TM bitch. Uh, and uh, and that's really it. That's it for him. That's There is no other suffering involved. She no. is who Lizzo was singing about. She is that bitch. 100% that bitch. <laughs> yes. So, then we cut, again, apropos of nothing, to the young Arab girl and she is back in her house and she is in her room and she turns on her iPod. Oh, and, man. And we learn that she's a secret Christian because she's listening to Franklin Graham. Yes. So this was my favorite part because I really did not expect it. It was one of the few moments where this movie genuinely surprised uh-huh. me. I thought she was going to be listening to like punk or hip hop. Like mm-hmm. she, that the iPod mm-hmm. itself was a little secretive. Rage and she against was, the machine. Exactly. But no, her deep you know, divisive thing that's going to set her (laughs) apart from her family and cause her actual suffering, we'll get to that, is Franklin fucking Graham. Uh, We've talked about Franklin on other episodes. Let's just say inveterate racist. Yeah. We spoke about him during uh, the police episode for his famous line to listen up, Plax. If you just listen to the police, they won't shoot you. So yeah, so she's listening to Franklin Graham (laughs) deliver a sermon because she is a secret believer because, you know, she escaped from her repressive family and took off her hijab. So that's what happened. And then her little brother, who has six, who is maybe six, yeah, comes ha- in and steals her iPod and looks at it. And she freaks out on him. Yeah, she she's like, swear to me you won't tell dad. Swear to me. And it seems really intense. Yes. We'll get to that. But yes, it's really weird both because the kid is playing on his phone. He has right. no use for an iPod. Yeah, why, why is you, he in why there? Why does she have an iPod? He's, and also, he, you're six. Yeah. Who do you know who Franklin Graham is? Yeah, yeah how did you even see this? It's just a picture of like a biblical scene. There should be no nothing that gives it away. Like mm-hmm. all of these religions are just old fuckers in robes. Like why right. why is well, this a no giveaway? There's no images of anyone in Islam, so maybe that's the giveaway. <laughs> and then we cut away from that to Lefty Reporter is at dinner and Dean Kane saunters up just yeah. swinging his dick really, around. You can't keep saying swinging dick. Not everyone in this movie swings No, dick. I disagree. <laughs> Kevin Sorbo and Dean Kane are swinging their dicks. I would say Dean Kane does in this instance. I, I would say Dean Kane is a more successful dick swinger than Kevin Sorbo. Because his I own, agree. His, his line as he walks in is, bottle of Cristal at my table. Yeah. Uh, Dean Kane's awesome. Dean Kane, it's sad he's a dick. Dean Kane uh, is an evil businessman in this movie. We haven't actually set that up. 
And he his he is the also the son of the dementia lady, whose entire personality at this point has been like refusing to help his girlfriend and talking about how China doesn't care about intellectual property rights. Uh, shows up, sits down at the table, and is like, "Baby, I made partner." To which his partner says, <laughs> "So his girlfriend basically says, I have cancer." And, and then, then his first response is he kind of like looks he scowls Mm -hmm. he scowls and says this couldn't wait yeah this couldn't wait until tomorrow because every person who's not a christian is just an unrepentant asshole yeah or cancer patient the two things she's a a cancer patient asshole in this point in the movie yeah that's true uh and And then he yells at her oh yeah having cancer he yells at her within 30 seconds of finding out that she has terminal cancer he breaks up with her berates her and talks about how you change the terms and conditions of our contract it basically is saying anybody who isn't just immediately married they're just you're just sleeping around they can dump you at any time oh yeah the imply the this is just basically saying it's not even implied but hey if you're just dating and sleeping with somebody they could dump you at the moment you get cancer I've heard and that in will. Christian, and they will. And in will. And he said, you know, we had fun. You were my girlfriend, my hot girlfriend. My hot younger girlfriend, <laughs> and I was your upwardly mobile, like, businessman. And then she said, he's like, what did you think this is? And she's like, I thought it was love. And he goes, love is the most overused word in the English language. Love is a word people use when they want things. This movie will later make the argument that they're, like, Anyone that's not a Christian can't have morality. Yeah. In this moment, they're making the argument that anyone who's not a Christian can't have love. <laughs> like, not only not only is love exclusively for the straights, it's only for the saved straights. I'm, bum- like, I'm bummed out about yeah, this. Yeah, it's no good, man. He leaves uh, just as the bottle of Cristal is delivered to yeah. the table and she breaks down. Then we cut back to Josh. Mm-hmm. And Josh... There is a Chinese national student in his How class. How did we forget Martin? Martin. So, Martin. I, just, I can't introduce everybody all the time. No, I know, I know. And so then he comes up to Martin. And in the library. In yes. the library. And he says, you're Mr. Josh. Because this is the most racist film that this, has ever been made. Yeah, this is like I 80s I, movie level of racist I'm when not it going comes to, to portrayal of Asians. No, absolutely not. No, don't do that. <laughs> no. But he says, you're Mr. Josh, which is terrible. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's almost as bad. Also, when he's signing up for classes, the, the counselor's like, what's the PRC? And he goes, the People's Republic of China. And she's like, oh. I the counselor who's a student. Yeah. yeah. I also don't uh, want to be rude here, but in American secular universities, they would fucking know... Yeah. What the PRC Pretty is. Pretty fucking common. Uh, the PRC <laughs> like, is actually the fourth villain of this film. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. And then he's like, Josh, why are you doing this? Yeah, why This would... seems like, like, like you're being an idiot, Josh. <laughs> Josh, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then Josh is like, Jesus is my friend. Yeah. And Josh is just being such a cuck. Josh has never wanted me to like want to believe in Josh Jesus less. Josh wanted to be radical enough to say Jesus is my homeboy, but he couldn't quite manage it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Martin. Sort of is considering this, like, hmm, he really believes in this. And Josh is already starting to change hearts and minds. Yep. There's a brief scene where the pastor and his missionary friend friend, <laughs> friend <laughs> are trying to leave town and they can't leave town. It, to go to Disney World. <laughs> this is the only we time we'll bring this up. Yeah, they're trying off. so hard. Uh, clearly they're going to get married, right? They're going to go have a Disney They're Disney. going to Disney World, not Vegas. Uh, you can hey, get married to both. Uh, oh, that changes everything. They're clearly trying to go to Florida and get married, but also... I'm going to summarize the several scenes yeah, of this. Just take me through, because this happens three or four so times. So three or four times, 
their car so like pastor's car dies uh-huh. and then they get a rental car uh-huh. and the rental car guy comes and brings it and is like you're good to go they get in the car they're going to drive to go get married and then at disney world yeah disney yes. world the car won't start yep and they can't get another the car, car that was tomorrow. running 30 seconds ago won't start and then the african missionary says god is good all the time yeah, all the time God is good. All the time, God is good. And it's basically implied, the missionary guy implies, we are needed here for something, yeah. and I know it's going to rain. Every time, <laughs> every time. Yeah, yeah. He prophesies yes. rain. He prophesies which rain. Which will come back. Yes. And you heard it ev- here first. <laughs> anytime your car has ever not started, it's because God needs you <laughs> yep. to stay where you are. That's how God works. He, he's, a, he's a shitty mechanic. We go back to the oldest woman in the world and her daughter, who we find out, Twist, is dating Hercules. Which is like maybe the first time anyone in this movie actually has a fucking connection to anyone else. Like yeah. finally a plot starts connecting. So yes, Mr. Professor Hercules uh, is dating the daughter of the dementia lady. Who loves who, chicken. Yeah. Who loves chicken. And the daughter is siblings with Dean Cain. Yes. So And it, it's it's a beautiful tapestry. <laughs> this is like that Will Smith movie Pursuit of Happiness, but Pursuit of this Jesus. Is, no, it's like Magnolia. Like this shit is art house. Some of the cuts in this yeah. are genuinely so unsettling to me that I think that like this might actually be found art. Like <laughs> Michael comes around, Hercules shows up, it's all connected. He is 30 years her senior. Clearly. And they talk about how she was his student, and that, again, would get him fired. But they started dating while she was in his class. He waited until after the midterm. I couldn't figure out if this was a movie being okay with that, or this movie saying that, like, this is what non-Christians do. Uh, so... <laughs> I will say, I know that it happened at the Christian university where I worked. Not surprised by that. I mean, I've Having seen been it ha- in a youth group, happens. not surprised. At the secular university where I worked, it would have gotten someone fired. Yeah, so I think this movie, in the context of this movie, that is portrayed as villainy. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's important to point out that it repeatedly, basically every adult relationship with this movie is an older man and a younger woman, as is the case with the actual Pureflex guy, who is significantly older than his wife. Uh, and I think there is, like, they're portraying it as bad here, but they have to lampshade it in order to make it bad, yeah. I think. They have to point out you that he started dating otherwise. her in the class and every pairing in this movie the 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 woman is infinitely hotter than the guy for no reason uh, i mean so too life but uh, True. uh but yeah it is it is definitely being lampshaded as him being an asshole because every moment from this point on is him being just the most insufferable douchebag to her so we learn yeah. that she atheist man i make all of my students mm-hmm. whom i don't give a shit about sign a pledge to the god of atheism. Yes, yeah. She's a Christian. Yeah. Can you fucking believe that? He's dating a Christian. And he's upset because she's not as carefree as she used to be. And he's like, come on, what's going on in your mind? Why aren't you as like happy-go-lucky as you used to be? And she's like, I'm worried that I'm unequally yoked. <laughs> you know. And I have a mother with dementia. Yes. She does bring that up, too. She does bring that up, too. I don't but, have all day to get into unequally yoked. Let's just say it's a Christian thing for when you date a non-Christian. It's a Christian thing for when you're a really shitty farmer and your oxes are all fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. happened, happened to my parents. If your oxen get scoliosis, man, you it's a real problem. I have a pair that is. Unequally I just yoked. love that she talks the way no one does. Everyone in this movie can't speak. Like, and he basically says, "Like, hey, there's not room for Jesus in this. There can't, I'm not part of a thruple." He yeah. basically says, "He that. says I don't get to have a mistress, and you don't get to have a god." <laughs> like. <laughs> That is the actual lie. 
But they're having a dinner that night. Yes. This basically goes directly into Hercules as having the salon with all of his fellow professors over drinking wine. Michael, you particularly love these scenes. Kelsey, oh, you live them out. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. This is my life. This I do is... nothing but drink wine with other faculty where we do nothing but talk about students. Uh, I will say... I am sure you have been in rooms drinking way too much wine with other faculty members. It's just that no, you're not talking about your fucking students. No, we have never, ever talked about students. It is so boring. Yeah. Sometimes we bitch about administration. That's exactly. pretty common. Uh, but mostly uh, we talk about other things like our dogs. This, Aww. exactly. Yeah, it's pretty nice, actually. This was incredible because this is the moment that one portrays just how little they understand what a college professor is. Yeah. And then two, where they expand <laughs> the what the narrative of this movie that college professors yeah. are from one asshole to oh no they're all like this they're all the same they all because wear the same beige sh- oh yeah clothes. they're all in like sweater vest douchebag sweater yeah. vest they're all weirdly august for again this like mid-tier institution that, that would clearly sucks. mostly run on like master's degree students working for peasant wages like there's no <laughs> way that there's that many like 50 year old dudes that are tenured at this shitty university yeah in um, real life none of these people have health insurance exactly and then they're having like the crappiest classical music of all time play they're all sipping yep. wine and they're all mocking this student they're all NPR laughing yeah. so hard and I genuinely thought it was going to be like oh that poor kid i really wish he wasn't in your class because you're the douchebag and we're at least a little right. more normal but no everyone's no. just like ha 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 the fool <laughs> like it's super intense and then every conversation that ever happens in this movie is about josh like josh <laughs> is the truman of this movie because everything revolves around him which is a and, and like truman he's a vacuous doofus <laughs> yeah yeah and then i was once on a panel uh we, we watched okay. the truman show at the College where I worked, the Christian college where I worked, and I was uh, one of three faculty members on the panel, two dudes, and uh, the moderator was also a dude, but he was my friend, a nice guy, the moderator was. The other two guys, like literally, I never got a chance to speak. So then I was invited back to do another panel uh, for, what, good luck and good night? Uh Uh-huh, good night and good luck. Good night and good luck, yeah, because my friend, the moderator, was like, you had some really interesting things to say, and I'm sorry that you didn't get to say them. <laughs> and you're like, don't worry, it's my whole life. It's my whole life, yeah. <laughs> this podcast is not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Never have two guys talking too much on this thing. <laughs> so, Hercules' girlfriend wades into this sea of Richard Dawkins. Oh, yeah. No, it, everyone, you're right. Everyone is a Richard Dawkins in this. <laughs> it's just a multiplicity of Dawkins. The only thing they believe is fuck you. Like, that's it. <laughs> that would be actually cooler. Yeah. All they actually believe is God's Students heart. are fuel, fools. <laughs> Isn't it your job to educate the students? I feel like that might be saying <laughs> something Your about job it. is to write articles. <laughs> that part's real. Yeah. And she comes in. While, by the way, she is never, during this dinner party, not carrying oh, yeah, she's a, a plate of uh, charcuterie or crudite. Yeah, she's exa- just carrying it time. all times. She comes in and says, while looking at the ground, well, I believe in God. And everyone glares at her oh, immediately. No, it's the get out scene where he goes upstairs <laughs> and everyone's just like, what like the staring. Fuck? Like, it is really unsettling how villainous all of these people are. Keep going. Then we cut ahead to the dinner. They are all seated. Yeah. And Hercules is at the head of the table with his people and he pours wine and they're all drink the wine and the wine is terrible. And yeah. the guests say it. They're all like, this is terrible wine. This, this is vinegar. My fucking mine. So what this happens is insane. here? Please, well, wait, please explain yeah. this. So we find out that the girlfriend, her <laughs> mm-hmm. name is Mina. 
That's right. And she is not good at buying wine. We, so, yeah. So, the first time we saw her, she was buying wine. Yes, that was like that how she we was were, the lady who found yes, the wine and was, and was so... was confused by it. Yeah, yeah. So, it turns out, she, while she was going out to buy the wine, she left it in her car. She put it in the trunk. Yes. And went to run other errands. For like a few hours. For a few hours. <laughs> uh-huh. And by the time she got it out of the trunk and into the house... It had turned to vinegar. Yes, it had spoiled that quickly. What that, I love is there's two, several implications here. Yeah. But one, Christians wouldn't know anything about wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people who wrote this film were like, that's a thing that happens. I mean, if it's yeah. a hot and enough secondly, day. they actually don't know about yeah, wine. Yeah, they actually don't know about wine. If it's a hot enough day, it could happen, having worked in a wine shop, but it's very unlikely. One. Two, she informs Professor Hercules in advance that she forgot it. So if there was some fucking issue with this, he should have been, if this is a real thing that happens in this made up world you should have been like oh well we got to go get another bottle but he doesn't he waits until it's served and it's gone bad and then three they all berate her (laughs) instantaneously and incessantly (laughs) all of the professors are just like talk about grapes of wrath (laughs) like that is an actual lie and they say and then he says know thyself yes well and he says it in latin and she doesn't know what it means she's yeah. like tearing up she shakes her head we don't like, know what her job is i don't know yeah we don't know if she has a job we have well, no, no idea. we actually do know her job is girlfriend yeah, her job is girlfriend. woman yes yeah and so she kind of starts to get emotional and he says it means know thyself basically he's saying stay in your lane know yeah. your strengths don't try to buy wine and we know that he sent her to buy the fucking wine he sent her to buy the wine and he even specifically says know your limitations <laughs> know your limitations at which point she very gently places uh, the yet another dish that she's been carrying <laughs> around this whole thing. Crudite. Like just at a certain point, this is just a kink of how long she can keep her <laughs> arms up. Like it's really weird. And then just she's like, it's time for the help to depart, which is a terrible exit line when you're fucking mad at somebody. Like, come on. Although it does at least acknowledge for the first and only time in this film that she's being treated like a servant. The film is intentional about portraying her that way. It wants you to notice that. But she is the only time that it says it out loud. But unlike so many of the other horrific things in this movie that it is entirely unaware are horrific, they want you to know that she's being treated poorly because these are the bad evil professors. Because they're libs. Atheists can be bad feminists. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is actually my experience. No, that's super true. <laughs> but also, this movie Everyone is, is bad feminist. True. Heard it here first. Yeah. We finally yes. desperately get to lecture number two here we from go. our idiot Josh. Again, we never actually see the professor lecture at all. Well, no. Uh, we have like about 30 seconds of his lecturing, and he appears to only lecture about the fact that there is no God. Yes. yes. This class... Which is philosophy, which there's a lot of things yeah. in philosophy. An intro to philosophy would presumably cover a lot of shit, but no. Josh finally confronts Hawking, and I don't care enough about these specific arguments, yeah. nor do our listeners. And then Hercules yells at him for confronting Hawking. And I mean, I do think it's a, like maybe a little important to acknowledge he uses, he finds, a, he like researches it, finds a scholar, an a actual mathematician. mathematician yeah, and he like uses this guy like a real academic yeah. arguments against Hawking. Yeah, and then he finds another Hawkins quote. Hawking also says that philosophy is dead as well, which really throws Hercules. Oh yeah, this gets him. Butt. I yeah. I think maybe this is the point to bring up that like this movie is really telling on itself here because I think it's like that's not an own. 
The idea that somebody says a thing is <laughs> a in no way, a no way. Yeah, a guy who doesn't know shit about humanities. Yeah. Says philosophy is dead. That should not shake you unless you have built up this demagogic understanding of who that person is, which is not how anybody thinks except the people that made this fucking movie. The reason it mm-hmm. seems like an own to them mm-hmm. is because that's how they conceive of the world. That is the logic by which they organize their lives. This insane, like, <laughs> building these things up, whether that's Franklin Graham or just the concept of scripture and like no normal human being would at all be upset that someone said something you disagreed with yeah no um, like the other day bernie endorsed biden yeah <laughs> actually i, I was pretty upset by that <laughs> as you all should be we're gonna move on so turns out girlfriend of hercules has breakfast with the pastor, pastor dave with pastor dave yes and basically complains about hercules being shitty and basically, the pastor explains, you're dating Hercules because you have a bad self-image. Yep. You're insecure, so you dated the sexy professor. You need Jesus to be your man, mm-hmm. like the nuns say. He calls it a Cinderella complex, and then he's like, it's not my word. Don't get offended. Sometimes it happens to dudes, too. But There's we just... don't have a name for it. And basically says you have to break up with him. Because yeah. he's not because of his abusive behavior. He never says that. He yeah. says because he's not a Christian. Yeah, it's, it, it is a really strange thing where, like, the most pastoral thing you could say there is just, like, he sounds like a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah. You should get out of that. It seems unhealthy. But instead, it's about her not being self-actualized enough and how she really needs more Jesus. It's still her fault. Yeah. It's still about how she is being lesser. Back to, after, lecture two is done. Then Hercules does a slow mocking clap to Josh. Yes, the class is the over. This is one of my favorite moments when Hercules walks up just... This is this is the only you clapped way too fast. There were at least fifteen more seconds of silence in between those (laughs) claps. No, and just like that, he was swinging his dick. Yeah, that that was the (laughs) only time it worked for me. His like bad guy scene chewing chewing energy like really came together for me there. And he's basically like because all the students have left at this. point. Yeah, all the students. It's just mono e mono. Yeah. Mono, whatever, whatever Josh, Josh is. is. I'm gonna say shrub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, topiary. some kind of cabbage. <laughs> then Josh turns it back on him. What happened to you? And I, I, I called this. Oh, I was like, backstory. Yeah, it's time for backstory. And he's like, Josh, what happened? Why would you? Because the only way you could be an atheist. Yeah, Josh is asking the professor, like, who hurt you? How did? How would a god? He basically hurt you? says that. Yeah, and then. He doesn't owe this little shitbag anything. Except another 20 minutes of his class. Yeah. (laughs) And he explains, well, when a 12-year-old watches his mother die of cancer and prays to God, but she's not spared, then that, you know, you don't believe in God anymore. Yeah. The most committed atheists were once Christians. (laughs) And also... Ladies be getting cancer, am I right? Uh, Here's the only thing that can happen to a woman is she gets pregnant... Cancered or cancer. <laughs> or all three. Yeah. <laughs> we call that the Trinity. No. <laughs> it's just Yeah, so he's got it's supposed to be this tearful story of his yeah. mom getting cancer at twelve and he's begging God and it doesn't happen and like Again, Josh is a huge dick in this scene. Oh, yeah. He basically is like, sometimes the answer is no. Cool. Glad yeah. you explained you all could, of suffering. You couldn't just say, I'm really sorry that fucking happened, man. Like there there is a very like we don't have to fucking and I'm saying we here as believers because I've seen this shit so much and it makes me so angry. Like, you don't have to fucking explain it. You can just be like, yeah, that really sucks. Like, I'm just really sorry. Yeah. That's a totally reasonable response to treat another human being. I'm with. so sorry. Those are just the words. Yeah. So then we move forward. We get to 
for me, what is the most upsetting sequence in the entire film. The most upsetting is when we cut back to the young Arab woman. (sighs) Aisha. Aisha. Thank you. Aisha, the young Arab woman, is in her house, and her dad storms in and beats the shit out of her. Yes. And then throws her out of the house. To be clear, he has discovered her iPod. Because the little brother was an arc. Because the little brother fucking ratted her out. What a bitch. I mean, like, this kid is also probably, like, six. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. But also, he clearly knew how bad this was going to get on some level. But, like, it was genuinely shocking to me. This movie has been super chill. I knew knew that there was going to be a conflict around this. But I was like, they're not going to be this racist. Yeah. There's no way they're going to be. They've already been pretty fucking racist. This is already racist. They're not going to be full on this racist and then he walks in the room and backhands her into a wall yeah. like she she was on wires in that scene she flies it is legitimately shocking violence no it is like unnerving and then it keeps going for a long time she's like crawling on all fours oh, yeah. to she's get away trying from him to crawl and get away from him. he picks her up and he's carrying her downstairs yeah. and like yanking her out of doorways and like, then we very briefly see grandparents this is the first time oh, yeah. we realize that this is a multi-generational household and they're just kind of standing and there like well the younger brother is standing there crying the other like family members are just like yeah you know shit happens like and then it continues then it to es- escalate. It escalates, yeah. yeah. He takes her out back. He's clearly kicking her out of a house. And they have what I thought was going to be a tender moment of him being sorry. Yeah. Not for beating the shit out of her. But, you know, that they aren't going to have a relationship anymore because, you know, she's been a bad Muslim. Because I was like, this movie did not fucking do that. But no, he is going to ritualistic strangle her. Um, over this scene. Which was immediately what I thought was happening to you. Like, to me, that wasn't a question. I think I just so didn't want it to be the case. Yeah, no. Uh, And he, like, starts to break down, and then he kind of steals his reserve, and he puts his hand on her neck, and then they stare at each other, and then he ends up not strangling her and goes inside. And then we see a 30 seconds of him crying. Like, (laughs) he weirdly spends that time, human, cute quote, heavy quotes, humanizing him, being like, oh, he's so upset that he did this. In the midst of a PG movie. Yeah, this would be shocking in an R-rated film. The amount of violence perpetrated against this woman in this scene. Legitimately shocking. Oh, yeah. Um, No. And it is intended. I, I think we need to be clear. Like, this is supposed to get I think good Christian men's blood boiling. Yeah. That a woman is being treated this way. And I think, and maybe this, no, it's not cynical. Um, It's just trying to set up like, yeah, I mean, there's complementarianism and like expecting your woman to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen as Christian men do. But like, we're not beating the shit out of our ladies. So like, really, we're the feminists here. Yeah. Which is we've covered in other episodes. Actually, those things correlate pretty well. Complementarianism and abuse. Yeah. Very high. Oh yeah. But yes, the, that's that's the good mm. gender roles, not these bad, yeah. uh, you know, gender roles or religious roles where, you know, daddy might strangle you. Like, it is really fucking upsetting and it is supposed to make you hate this man in a highly racially charged way. It's extreme, evil. It it's is extremely evil. Bad. And it is, I think you're right to say, calculated to, to make you feel a certain way about this man and maybe also his religion. Absolutely his religion and probably his race. Yeah. And this is definitely contrasted with the Martin, the young Chinese gentleman, calling his dad, which happens basically the next scene to be like, I also think this Jesus guy is cool. And then dad hangs up and is like, don't call me about this. Oh, you never know who's listening. They get it. They get it. You never know who's listening because communism. Because, because of communism. Like, listen, we are not defenders of China on this podcast. No. But man, does the evangelical right love to make a boogeyman out of China. But also, I don't mean, maybe you, uh, 
didn't hear this because you weren't playing Animal Crossing and using your your ears. But uh-huh. uh, but he says you're messing up your brother's chance of staying oh, yeah. in abroad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's like you're gonna ruin it all. Anyway, it creates this like okay, it's all about collectivism. Like you have to think of your brother, and like you don't know who's yeah, listening. Yeah. It's just like a giant stereotype. But yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, all hella racist. His name is Mister Chinese Man. So, yeah, no, yeah, I wish they had given him a name. Would... <laughs> uh, but and yeah. then we're gonna go back to we're finally gonna go back to Hercules. Hercules is standing around with a bunch of professors laughing again in the in, in... no longer at his home now yeah. in the hallway of the university back at the school still talking about Josh <laughs> and Richard Dawkins he's like he said Richard Dawkins was wrong and, and it was like wow that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> the Richard Dawkins professors are just laughing okay then Mina the girlfriend of Hercules just shows up at his work and he immediately berates her for appearing at his work and calling him by his first name yeah he says you know I don't like that I'm Mr. Professor Hercules man here <laughs> <laughs> and and what happens then, Kelsey? Basically, she just looks him in the eye and says, I'm breaking up with you. He freaks out yeah. in front of all of his colleagues and says... About the student, the former student that he has been publicly <laughs> dating. Yeah, and says, I don't accept that. Yeah, I forbid it. I forbid it. And she's like, just starts to walk away. He's like, I don't accept it. Uh-huh. And she's like, I heard you, but it's not your choice. Yeah. Because I- Christians can be... Feminist. Yes. This TM. Is, this is hashtag It was woke. her body, her choice. Uh, this is definitely a hashtag woke moment that you're supposed to be like, yeah. yeah, she's a strong, independent woman who doesn't need no parasitic, awful atheist professor. Because she man. has Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because she does she, need a man. Yeah, just a better one. <laughs> <laughs> he His freak out is like really unhinged. It's in super, front of all his colleagues. Yeah. Just to be like, I do, I do not accept. Like you can see like the lizard mm. like starting to like peer out of his flesh uh in that moment like he, he sort of has an aneurysm yeah it's really really extra uh also listen i'm glad she dumped the asshole that's obviously great sure. but like come on why not take the moment to let him have it for five fucking seconds in front of done, all of his colleagues he's done nothing but berate and demean you this entire time in like, front of the same colleagues in front of, yeah. <laughs> there's only 12 people in this movie but they all have a plot line no there's like 50 people in this movie uh it's just like, come on, like hit him with something. Jesus, you deserve it. And no. Keep going. <laughs> so we're going to move on. Yes. Hit marker. Yep. And now we learn that Aisha also knows the pastor, Pastor Dave. Dave. You know everybody's Dude, name. Yeah, you're right. I do. I don't know. I don't <laughs> this know. This is why. Because she was only listening. So that was the only <laughs> thing she I don't know Cancer Leftist's name. Like Batman. Uh, cancer Leftist is her name. Aisha. Comes to the church and meets with Pastor Dave. Yeah, because there's, I guess, one pastor in this town, but whatever. This is yeah. Tokyo Godfathers, by the way. It's all just weaving <laughs> together until it all comes together at a Newsboys concert. I can't believe you would bring up something as good as Tokyo Godfathers right now. I can't now. believe that you think that Tokyo Godfathers is better than this movie. <laughs> this starts with her in a room sobbing and these two men outside the room discussing her That's right. as she I sobs. forgot about that. Yeah, like, the, the missionary, the African missionary yeah. goes, how long has she been hiding her faith? Yeah. They're just like having this very clinical discussion about her. While she's while weeping. While the woman is in distress, having just had her life threatened by her fucking father. While the church secretary, a woman, yeah. offers her tissues. Exactly. Uh, but it, it's just, it starts so wrong. It shows you so clearly how much they actually care about this woman's suffering as opposed to the point they're trying to make with her suffering uh, and instantaneously. He, and he basically quotes Paul being like, hey, I have learned to be hungry. I've learned to be full. Yep. I've learned to be rich. I've learned to be poor. So you're going to be fine. It's all good, baby. 
Like yeah. it's just like he's this white man who has a job and a home <laughs> and, and a most lover. In, most importantly, <laughs> yeah. bleach tips. Yeah, bleach that's tips. right. And his whole life will be totally fine. He's trying to get to Disney World <laughs> to get married. His actual purpose is to get to fucking. And he tells a woman who is homeless. Yes, it's never established that she just isn't at like the shelter or on the street. And they, he's like, they never give a hey, shit you're where fine. she's spending her night. They say we'll help you out. And I thought there was going to be a scene of them like. Giving yeah. her a place to Putting live. Putting her in the church or something. Spoiler alert, there is not. No. It, it never gives a shit about her material condition, sanity, or safety. It just cuts away, and that's really like one of the last times we, or that's the only time we hear about her situation. Oh, yeah. No, she only exists as a prop from here on out, to be clear. And it was very clear, like, oh, go your way. Yep. Be well-fed and clothed. Uh, exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Here, here is a scripture. Carry that into your belly as you go. Like, and it's just so offensive. Like Jesus had to feed the five thousand before he could preach to them. Like God had to do it. But you're like, you know, I'm just gonna drop some knowledge. You yeah. seem like you need some knowledge. I will say it is actually a step up from what he said to Josh because he fully quotes the scripture rather than just dropping <laughs> a reference. Well, she's but, homeless now. Well, so. true. She's the only one that actually fucking knows scripture in this thing. Like, when he starts saying it, she's able to recite it. Like She's learned it all from Franklin Graham. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he said, listen up, blacks, whites, and Latinos, she was like, I think I'm somewhere in there, so let's do this. We get to finally the last lecture. This we is it, baby. It so far. This is it. I, have we established that the end of this lecture series is decided by a vote? Well, Josh has actually determined the terms of this. When the professor is like, you get three lectures, mm-hmm. Josh is like, well, who decides if I pass or fail yeah. this section of the course? Mm-hmm. You don't really seem like objective here. And the professor's like, well, it's my classroom. Mm-hmm. Of course I get to decide. He's like, well, what about them? Mm-hmm. And meaning his fellow students. So Josh has actually effectively taken control of the grading system. and Democratized it. Yeah, he's he's the means of grading. (laughs) He's a hero. He has decolonized the classroom. Hell yeah. That's what the story's about. the first time I like Josh. Yeah. Um, And has has sort of set the terms for the class sort of being the jury. um, That the professor is the prosecutor, right? Like attacking Mm -hmm. God. He's God's defense. Yeah, God's um, defense attorney. God's defense attorney. Another great fucking TV show. <laughs> Every I, I would watch that. White college freshman's dream. Yeah, and the class is the jury. Exactly. Eighty strong. So here we are, the final lecture. It all comes down to this. I have to say, his powerpoints have only been getting better. By this point, there's like laser shows. <laughs> there are fog there's machines. There's backup dancers. There's like 15 disco balls. The Laker no Girls reason. show. <laughs> yeah. And also somehow like Renaissance paintings. Yes, there are actually Renaissance paintings that feature in this. And Laker Girls. It's <laughs> the last time any Christian read a book, the Renaissance. So this is more of a debate. Mm-hmm. Hercules says, what about evil? Which, for the record, is a damn good question. We're just not even going to try. Yeah. That's a really big and important question. Totally. That then gets answered in the worst possible yeah, way. Yeah, no. Keep a, a, an impossible mystery. Yeah. And Josh is like, free will, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And like, does the end zone dance. Yes. Free will is what gave us COVID. Yeah. We need to have all of the holocausts so you can choose between Coke and Pepsi Jesus. That's... <laughs> 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 And then they 
didn't just move past it like Josh won the point. Yeah, J- like, Josh just moved past Josh the problem just, of evil. Like, they, oh yeah, yeah, we have the Holocaust because God had to let free will happen. Yeah, so that uh, we could freely choose God. And then so we we'll still have free will in heaven, but also everything will be perfect. But even though that kind of invalidates the whole point that I'm making, Josh solves the question of evil and free will the same way that like Kevin Durant shoots a three. Like it takes that amount of time, <laughs> and then he's just running back to the other side, hands in the air. And then they move past evil oh, yeah. and evil free will, solved. and evil they get into abs- moral absolutes. And he quotes Dostoevsky, and I was so angry. Josh quotes Dostoevsky here. Yeah, keep his name out your mouth. He spent 700 pages to make a point. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? You need to go drink liters of vodka and live through... 50 sad Russian winters before you can even begin to talk about this. Out of the, the pantheon of dead white men who are overvalued in society, <laughs> Dostoevsky is maybe one that comes the closest to earning it. Like, he did some real shit. He was mostly a real one. Yeah. And no college freshman has ever accurately cited him. College seniors, maybe, because what else are nope. they going to do with their summers? <laughs> <laughs> Working, definitely not if you're a nude. Uh, but college senior nudes absolutely can, can quote Dostoevsky's. Freshman, not so much. And the only thing I'm going to say, because we could get lost on a Dostoyevsky pod here, yes. is that the religion of Dostoyevsky looks nothing whatsoever the fuck like the religion in yes. this movie. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, a man who, if nothing else, was deeply interested in exploring like the tragedy of the human condition being yep. used to make a fucking shitty point yeah. in a movie that is just, just wants a listicle of faith. That's as far <laughs> as it wants to go. And... Dostoevsky a thousand times better to his women characters. Yeah. Well, he had women characters. Well, yes, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. if the woman character is a hooker with a heart of gold, still more nuanced than leftist cancer bitch. Someone yeah. had to invent that. And for the record, leftist cancer bitch is the most nuanced female portrayal in this movie. <laughs> like, True. Back to, back to lecture number three. And then it just gets to like pr- increasingly shrill, insane claims. Uh, where they talk about moral absolutes. And then, at one the point... The octaves just keep rising. Like, both of these men are basically singing soprano to each other. Yeah, they're, they're higher than my voice. This yeah. is wicked it's, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was pretty good. That was good. Hercules, at one point, is screaming, "It's a religion is a mind virus. Yes. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of college freshmen. Religion oh, is a man, mind virus. It is so prescient. How did it see coronavirus coming? Mm-hmm. All right, that's pretty good. And then Josh is like, who are you looking to fail, me or God? Because <laughs> we look the same. <laughs> and then he goes full Tom Cruise and a few good men. Oh, yeah. And is screaming at him, why do you hate God? He's, you can't handle the truth in him. Super Why hard. you hate God? And again. Why do you hate God? Josh, this entire movie has talked like this. Hi, I'm Josh. <laughs> Welcome to my movie. That's it. That's his whole octave. <laughs> and now he's just shrieking. And it's a really strange scene. And if you haven't seen A Few Good Men, don't feel bad because I haven't either. Happy. I actually haven't seen A Few Good Men. What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> I just want to validate our listeners who haven't seen every movie. Look, the entire premise of this podcast is to invalidate each and every listener personally. <laughs> I assume one of, canceled. The, one of these podcasts will upset you deeply. Uh, it, <laughs> 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 uh, our, our new podcast is just going to be listing every name and then an insult. Like yep. like when you get a personalized yes. license plate. You're like, Brandon, you suck. That's right. <laughs> our Patreon the the higher <laughs> tiers whenever we start it will be personalized pod insults. Yes. Where we really we read your Facebook page and really dig down into why you suck. <laughs> so, why do you hate God? He's just yelling this at him. Oh, yeah. He's yelling at this Repeatedly. At him. Until finally, 
like Jack Nicholson and a few good men, he breaks saying you can't handle the truth and admits why he hates God because God... Him being Hercules. Hercules. I was going to... Yeah. Because Hercules shouts, God took everything away from me. He took everything from me. I I have nothing in my heart but hate for him. Bloody multiple paragraphs of hate. And then Zach hit me with the kill line. I'm Hercules. I'm filled with rage. I'm screaming at God. How can you hate someone if they don't exist? And then Hercules' head literally explodes, <laughs> blood and gore all over. This so quickly turned into a Tarantino climax. Yeah. It's not the first time it has surprised me with its violence. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a similar level of bitch slapping yeah. in The Hateful Eight. <laughs> the kill line. I did see that one. <laughs> We're very proud, Kelsey. Thank you. <laughs> in this movie that is mm. ostensibly about arguing mm. for yep. the existence of God. Yeah. The major own here is that he got him to admit that he is angry at God. And therefore, all argumentation is, is invalid. And then we have yes. the I am Spartacus moment. Oh, of this man, movie, it's so where good. Each and every one of the students who, who are all members of different youth groups, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure there was like a national <laughs> contest be the member of your youth group that they send here. And, and Josh, who is fully taking control of the classroom at this point. Like, again, yeah. Kevin Sorbo is just, blood is squirting out of his like, large... Eyeballs. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, so what do you think, guys? And and Martin stands. <laughs> and says, I'm a Christian now. Yeah, yeah. And God is not dead. And then everyone stands yep. up, G-Dog included. He was actually second the second line. person right his, after And Martin. that's his yeah. second line in the entire movie. Yeah. God is not dead. And then they, like... I don't know, chant it. <laughs> like it is it is really incredible. And uh and Kevin Sorbo, Mr. Hercules, has been stunned into silence. And he goes up and he walks up to Josh and he gives him the angry eyes. He just really gets in close. Like it is they might kiss, you don't know. And then he just walks off. Like yep. the man just That's walks it. out of his college classroom. Been there. Uh, For, <laughs> just kidding, I have not. Forty years. This yeah. man has held this belief. His mom died when he was a child. And he's middle-aged. So it's been 40 years he's held this belief. And now he's been bested by the dumbest man in yeah. the world. By a man who made no actual arguments. <laughs> no, he actually he cited Lee Strobel. His arguments, and I'm like I not said. going to spend much time on this, are just for agnosticism. Yeah. He essentially just argues that you can't prove God doesn't exist. Totally. Which is true. But all he does is end up arguing for agnosticism. And then his class believes him that Jesus is real. Yeah. Because God may exist, he must exist in this specific format. Finally, we cut away and we cut away to the pastor and his African lover. To be clear. And they are finally driving away. This should have been the end of the movie. We're an hour 45 into this fucking movie. And I'm like, thank God. (laughs) Everyone's a believer now. We can finally be done. And then I looked at where we were on the, you know, like the bar, right? Mm -hmm. Where the the minutes are ticking away. And I was like, I can make a whole new tiny island. That's how, measure, that's how we measure. That's how you measure things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's important to have your priorities. Actually, you could measure things in Animal Crossing time and be fine because it's the same as ours. <laughs> that's true. First, yeah. The African man says we're going to say a prayer about the car, and then the car just starts. Oh no, he says you have to put your luggage in the that's car right. because that's an act of faith. Again, the Incredible most stuff magical black man that has ever existed in any <laughs> film, including Shawshank Redemption. He was Bagger Vance. Like, it's true. <laughs> it is. And if you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption, I'm here to validate you. <laughs> <laughs> 
We should. So re- the car starts, and they're driving away, and they are away finally... again from this lady who just got kicked out of her house. <laughs> it was presumably still somewhere sobbing in a pew, like it's... on the street somewhere. Yeah. And then they're just stuck in traffic trying to get out of the city because God needs them. Is Barry is just the t- actual text of this movie. Uh-huh. And just as a quick reminder, Josh had gotten Newsboys tickets for him yes. and his girlfriend to celebrate their anniversary just before she broke up with him. Yeah. The yeah, bitch. We, and then we f- go back to the oldest woman in the world sitting alone in a dark room. The camera pans over to Dean Cain berating her. Yes. This, this is, is, one, is, this is maybe my favorite scene. I'm going <laughs> to... And most unnecessary. I'm going to yeah. include a little audio in here. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I mean, it's not like you even know... Who I am. You prayed and believed your whole life. Never done anything wrong. And here you are. You're the nicest person I know. I am the meanest. You have dementia. My life is perfect. Explain that to me. He just yells at her. Yeah. He's just like, my life is incredible. Uh-huh. And you believed in God and your life is shit. Your life's so stupid. Your life sucks. You yeah. have you have dementia. And I'm like laying pipe, getting honey, <laughs> yeah. doing drugs. Buying bottles of Cristal and then leaving them behind at tables. <laughs> dumping, li- dumping cancer ladies. <laughs> like my life is the best. Yeah. He says my life is perfect. So inclu- according to his perfect life, you're dating someone who had cancer you had to break up with. Perfect life. Perfect life. And then the old woman has a moment of clarity. She basically says, like, that's just sin. Sometimes mm-hmm. God lets you sin, but it was oh, a cage this is all a velvet along. Cage. Your cage is so comfortable, you don't know you're locked in it. Then, and the door's open the whole time. You're in this cage of sin, but the door's open and you could walk out of your cage. Mm-hmm. And then, all of a sudden, at the moment of your death, the door slams shut and it's yeah. too late to walk There's out of your cage time. of sin. Mm-hmm. And then she looks over at Dean Cain. And does not recognize him as her son. Yeah, and it, the that's final almost that's King. almost comedy. That's it almost is. played as comedy. This woman's like dementia is played as comedy in that moment where she gives this whole speech and then she's like, "And who are you?" Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a punchline. Yeah, finally, we end up at the Staples Center in L.A., a place we have been. Yeah, and but they have photoshopped it extremely poorly as the Hastings Center. And so anyway, we're at a, this enormous, poorly photoshopped arena. It is arena. supposed to be a 10,000 person, like, large arena. In, which like, is, Tuscaloosa? Yeah, yeah. It, this is not a massive population center from anything <laughs> else we've seen, but somehow they've got this massive arena to host the newsboys. And so lefty reporter, who is just currently, like, like ha- is, like, carrying around her IV, just yeah, she storms into the newsboys backstage. This- We'll be so brief here, but like one scene that we did actually skip was her being told, and we don't know because actually the doctor closes the door for the scene, um, but presumably that the cancer is super bad. Yeah, yeah. And that she's definitely dying. So, and we, there's, her entire arc is just find out she has cancer, break down and sob, but then in, for whatever reason in this scene, she's trying to do her job again. Like <laughs> yeah, she's just back so on the weird. grind. Like, like Nothing but unending tragedy has happened to her, but she doesn't want it to, like, 
it's really bizarre that then she is portrayed as if none of this has happened for a moment. So she, and, and we glossed over her smashing her laptop as oh, yeah. she breaks down because she's so angry. She has, what we find out is terminal cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So she storms into backstage of the newsboys and they're like, She's trying we to have ambush any- the newsboys. <laughs> and there are no pillars to hide behind this time. <laughs> There's no pillars to hide behind except Michael Tate because he is carved of stone. And so she comes in holding out her like recorder being like, do you guys really sing about God and Jesus? Yes. Again, this is her sick leftist burn is, <laughs> do you sing worship songs? About God and Jesus. And to, Jesus. To a bunch of 50-year-old men who've been singing <laughs> yeah. worship songs for her entire life. Yeah. All of these guys are middle-aged. They're all in the same suit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which is really special. Uh, with the red collared shirt yep. or, or the red dress shirt, which is just a real rough look. It's I don't know very ska. That. Yeah. Uh, but also... For the second time, these quote-unquote celebrities in this movie play it super chill. Yeah, like they're playing themselves, and they're, they're playing just cool. themselves, and they're just like, "Hey!" And then they like flip it on her. Well, yeah, because they're like, "I don't feel like you're here to ask us about that." Yeah, yeah. I think you're yeah. here searching Jedi for something mind else. Trigger. <laughs> and she is just immediately like, "Yeah, I'm dying." Yeah, yeah. she that she, is she, that she, is the first words out of her mouth. Absolutely, like she's like, "You're telling me you talk about God and, and Jesus." Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and they're like, that's not what you're here to find out. You're here to find out if this is all for real. I'm dying. <laughs> that was a pretty good rendition, yeah, actually. That was, that was solid. Uh, and then she just immediately starts weeping. Yep. And then they continue to Jedi mind track this girl being like, hey, so like God's telling me to tell mm-hmm. you these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even remember what it said. They it was just, just so platitude. Here, here's what they do. I'm, we're not going to cut back and forth with this scene. Yeah, just all, go through Here's it. all they do is that they basically pray with her. Mm-hmm. They do the sinner's prayer with her. And then they tell her she's going to be fine. And they have to go rock out. Yeah. That's the entire. Sorry about your thing. cancer. Now we have to go rock. So for the second time, a woman gets prayed with and abandoned. Yes. Yeah. A woman whose material conditions are going to destroy her entire life. Mm-hmm. Is prayed with and abandoned because you know, you know we're socialists, so we refer to your health as material conditions. However, she is a blogger, which means she's a freelancer, which means <laughs> she has no health insurance. Amen. So, and then we go back to Professor Hercules, <laughs> and Professor Hercules goes in his opulent office, an yeah. insanely large Again, office, an office that no one at fucking Yale or Harvard has, Wait, except for Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <Ayo>. <laughs> oh. Hercules is in his massive office. He's been broken up with. He has been owned in front of his entire class. He is having a dark night of the soul. Yeah, it's nighttime. He only has like one lamp on. And he goes into and he looks at all the sheets of paper that he has kept. Because he has kept all the students (laughs) writing God's Not Dead and signing their names. He has kept them the way a serial killer would keep a trophy, like say a foreskin, from their victims. He, I swear to you, it is the subtext of this film that he is masturbating to them. Like he is just looking through them one by (laughs) one, so lovingly, just all these side stacks of God is dead. And let me tell you what, every real professor that I've ever known has like personally blown out a document shredder because as soon as like oh this piece of paper from my student with their name on it don't eat it yeah, yeah. into the shredder this no, recommendation it's... letter <laughs> <laughs> underneath this immense pile of masturbatory aids there is one more piece of paper and it is a child writing god is dead and it's his yeah he had signed it when he was a boy when his mother died of cancer the way every woman must mm-hmm. as they are all fated to do <laughs> woman cancer to be treated yeah. at woman's hospital, <laughs> woman hospital. 
<laughs> so he was the first student. He was the first that class. did this. He's getting emotional. And he pulls out of his desk what I thought might be a gun, but wasn't. <laughs> he pulls out a letter from his mother's deathbed where she just tells him, God is super real, actually. Yeah, he's so hella real. Let me Don't tell you, you ever doubt that or you will be in real trouble, young man. I'm dying and yeah. I believe God is real. Ergo, you must. Yes. Or you will disappoint your dying mother, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and he feels. And then, like, I don't think we need to spend that much time on it. Because it's just like, it's just him no. reading this thing. It's just like, ridiculous. Oh, I'm so sad. And, and then, then he... he sees the new student newspaper advertising the newsboys. Yeah. Because... He calls Mina and she doesn't pick up. And he's like, oh, where is because, she? Because to be clear, Mina is at the concert already. Yeah. Everyone yeah. is at this concert. You just assume she's there because she's Christian. But yeah, he knows. He like sees the Newsboys front page article about the Newsboys. <laughs> Which I see even at a time. Christian college, it wouldn't have made the first page. Exactly. It would have been page 14, arts and culture section. And I was Please. the faculty advisor to the student newspaper. So you know that. I do. <laughs> um, but that interview she got with Michael Tate, that is page one. That's uh, true. That's uh, page 69. Ayo. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> So he decides he's going to go to that concert and find her. And, and so, this is where all the pieces come together. So to put it all together, Cancer Leftist Lady's at the concert already. Yep. Josh is at the concert. He brought Martin because yes. Martin's a believer now. Uh, Aisha. Aisha is there. Yep. Having, she doesn't have a place to sleep, but she is at but the Newsboys concert. rocking out at the Newsboys concert. Well, because she has no home to go to. <laughs> yeah, at least it's open till 11. And maybe she can maybe she can like find a corner and they so won't it's notice her. All coming together. Yeah. And yet the pastors are trapped in traffic because they can't make it through and they they're joking. They're like, I can't believe it. the believers are ruining it for us. And then Kevin Sorbo, Mr. Hercules, the man, is walking down the street. Appar- a man without a car, apparently. Yes. He has a beautiful home, yeah. a gorgeous office, no car. And uh-huh. so he decides to run what is obviously across what is obviously downtown LA, but is mm-hmm. whatever this town is. And it's just sprinting across Los Angeles. Yes. I think it is so crucial to mention here that way, way, way back in this movie, 13 plots ago. Uh-huh. 13 Afri- movies ago. 13 movies ago, African Missionary has joked that it will be okay if they don't get to Disney World because it's probably going to rain anyway. Yes. Uh-huh. Right? So it's going to ruin their day at Disney World anyway. Um, their, their, their ceremony. Yeah. Pastor yeah. Dave says... It's supposed to be sunny and comfortable tomorrow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. Don't be crazy. Don't I've, be crazy. I've read the weather. And now they're sitting and in traffic. And the rain comes out of nowhere in the most hilariously bad like yeah. effects shot of all Hercules time. Hercules is standing on the corner and then just <laughs> somebody actually, puts a hose on him. He actually anticipates the rain. He looks up into the sky before <laughs> it starts raining. I mean, look, this is every Californian trying to understand hurricanes. Yeah, totally. Uh, so it's he's running cool. across the street in the rain. In the rain. In the pelting rain. Yeah, it, it, it is and just... And he crosses pastors. Yeah, and they see him. And then he just gets smashed by a car going through the light in the rain. Yep. It just gets hit, knocked Flies into the air in slow air. motion, and lands on the pavement. The only other effect shot other than Josh's PowerPoints in this entire movie is Kevin Sorbo flying through the air. So I do, But I do think this act deserves a little credit here because as he passes the parked pastors in the traffic, uh-huh. Zach's like, oh shit, he's going to get hit by a car. And it's like, no, <laughs> he's not. Bam. Bam. Immediately. I too am an idiot. <laughs> so like the writers I know of how this these movie. assholes think. <laughs> I think it's important to spend a little time here. What with the very protracted death scene? <laughs> yeah, the movie spends like a lot of time. Yeah, on this it, is so. the last hour. So Hercules. Uh, first of all, I want to say the sort of black missionary prophesied rain. Yes. And then rain kills Hercules. Yes. And Hercules is lying there, and 
the black missionary and the pastor, the other pastor, come up to him. They have called an ambulance. They've called an ambulance. Well, they yell at somebody to call right. an ambulance. Yeah. But the, the, mission, missionary. the missionary looks at him instantly like he's dying. Yeah. He, he, have he lays lives. a hand on him. He's like, his ribs have pierced his lungs. He's only got minutes to live. Like, he just <laughs> immediately like, diagnoses him. I don't him. know if you know this, but every missionary in Africa is a medical missionary, <laughs> even if you're from Africa. Mm, okay. I did not know. And so Kevin Sorbo is like coughing up blood. Oh yeah, he is just like Agonizing. dying. Like it is this wheezing, awful death. As and these it's, two it's men stand day, over him, kneels close and is like, "Are you a Christian? Yeah. Are Look you at a my be- bleached tips. Are you a believer? Yeah. I know you're dying, so it's extra important." Mm-hmm. And actually acknowledges. So he says, "God is merciful." Yeah. Dying, Kevin huh. Sorbo. Sorbo. He says. How is God merciful? I've just been hit by a car yeah. trying to find my estranged girlfriend. Uh-huh. And pastor is like, hey, you could have died instantly and we wouldn't <laughs> yes. be having this conversation. But he also acknowledges you probably wish you were killed instantly because yeah. your suffering is so intense so in this much. moment. I'm taking a look at you. You just look like you are just spewing organs right now. Let <laughs> me tell you, buddy. Anyways, let me give you the two-minute pitch on salvation real quick. Yeah. If I could just have... A final moment of your time. Yeah. If we could do an altar call. <laughs> a final quick. moment of your final moments. And he pitches him the sinner's prayer right here. And at first, Kevin Sorbo's was like, I'm an atheist. I don't want... Yeah. They're having this full conversation as Again, he bleeds out. Gurgling blood into his I, I have internal cavities. Fucking evangelists. They have their like <laughs> salvation pitch down to 15 seconds flat. They run it, run it and time themselves mm-hmm. in their offices. This is like not this is like several minutes of him really laying out yep. all the steps it's like you know he's dying right like obviously this is monstrous that you're even doing this but if you're <laughs> gonna do it maybe do it a little quicker buddy he's essentially berating this man oh, into yeah. faith while he like the dmt is releasing yeah. instead of like taking his hand and like trying to comfort him or just try to offer a little bit of peace what he does is tell him everything you believe is wrong. Yeah, he's essentially to do what shouting in the dying man's face. No, I don't. Yeah, it is literally shouting yeah. in the dying man's face. Like he's just so aggressive. He in this backhands man's him even harder than the other guy. You weren't dying before. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Sorbo finally says yes. Gurgles. Gurgles. Yeah. yeah. I am a Christian. Yeah. He he and he gets all the syllables out so you know it counts. And it. It's one of the most exploited things I've seen oh, in a it's, minute. It's fucking horrifying. It's, just think about for a, just take yourself out of this movie for a second mm-hmm. and think about what it would mean if somebody got hit by a car and you just stood over them and yelled at them. It is insanely evil to yep. do what these men do. Mm-hmm. And the evil only continues after he dies. Oh yeah, well because so he dies. Yeah. And then Kevin Sorbo dies. Yes. Kevin, Hercules dies. Hercules dies. And they, uh, so the pastor stands, he's standing next to the missionary guy. Ascends to Mount Olympus. All right, well done. (laughs) The missionary from Africa. The African missionary from Africa, Africa. (laughs) Missionary. Says, and the missionary. Nothing sad has happened here. Oh, yeah. Nothing sad has happened here. (laughs) This This is a happy story. This is a happy ending. Meanwhile, and this is a wonderful attention to detail that we have not seen yet in this entire film, sirens are wailing. Oh, good. Like, oh, the, the, uh, the ambulance is actually coming. They're actually yeah. coming. Love it. No, if you've never had a... This movie makes it so clear that Christians don't give a single fuck about you. Nope. The only see you as a notch on your post. Mm-hmm. You know, get kicked out of your home. That's great. Let me quote a Bible verse. Might ruin your whole life. That's fine, man. I'm not even going to quote the verse. I'm just going to throw, throw it out at you. Mm-hmm. The only thing... like. 
Martin, the very sweet Chinese man, is going to have to go home to a dad who fucking hates him. This whole thing just makes it so clear that, like, this is the only yeah. value a human life can have. And I kind of think that is really important. Yeah. Because they, they double down on it further as we continue. They're standing over a corpse talking about what a good thing this is. Like, this movie is fucking insane. And, and what I just briefly want to say is, like, Christ wept for Lazarus before five minutes before he raised him from the yeah. dead. Like, he knew Lazarus was going to be fine. And he still felt the weight of mortality. Yeah, no, they, they might as well have been peeing on Kevin Sorbo's corpse. Like, they for might, all that's the, care the director's that cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a very important line. Pastor Dave tells dying Hercules... If you're upset by this, don't worry. Jesus was also upset by mortality. Yes. Right before being crucified, he sweat blood. He asked God the Father to spare him from this fate, and God the Father said no. I'm so, so glad you, you are having a very analogous situation. He, he's don't negging worry. his death. He's yeah. being like, don't worry. It's not that bad. I don't see you sweating any blood. Just cough. <laughs> just just cough. gurgling it. Just asphyxiating in your own fluids. Yeah. Because why has nothing sad happened here today? As our missionary friend says, because there is so much rejoicing in heaven. Ew. Gross. And so we cut from that rejoicing to the newsboys rocking the fuck out. Yeah. And what they want to tell you is the Staples Center. <laughs> and they're just jamming. Yeah. They're just jamming. There are lights everywhere. All the people that were good Christians to begin with are going to be fine. Yeah. The, the It's basically a full set. Like, they play, they they play, play for a long songs. time. <laughs> Uh, this, I went to a Newsboys concert when I was in high school, and this movie was, the like, the sets in this movie were longer than the ones in real life. Uh, none of the members of Newsboys, when you saw them in high school, still in the band. <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. There's been a lot of turnover yeah. there. And so a few things happen here, but to kind of, like, hit, I think, one of the most important yeah. parts. In the middle of several Newsboys songs, the Duck Dynasty guy makes a digital reappearance yeah. on one of the giant screens. A close personal friend of the Newsboys, as it turns out. And he sit, talks about how great everything is, blah, blah, blah. He says, I heard about this thing that happened at oh, this God. local college. Because this TIFF on this campus yeah. had clearly made at least regional, perhaps national <laughs> news at this yeah. point. And he's like, shout outs to that guy. <laughs> you know who you are. And then they come up with what the call to action, if you will. Yes. So this movie... These are people who ostensibly believe in a God of the universe who wants to give you eternal life, mm -hmm. which seems like big news. And they also believe that no one else has it. Their call to action is you take out your cell phone and you text. There's probably, you probably have like a hundred contacts in there and they text every single person, you know, God is not dead. Yeah. And I kind of want to take a moment. My thesis for this movie relates to this and because they reiterate this at the ending. This is, I think, the thesis of the movie. This movie thinks that if you texted every single person and they show, they show the dead man, dead Hercules gets a text, God is not dead from mm -hmm. his ex-girlfriend. They show Dean Cain getting a text, God is not dead. They show all these things. They, from his ex-girlfriend. It also should be his sister. So maybe he gets several God is not dead texts. How annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and that is honestly the extent of that these people think evangelism is. Yeah. They think announcing to people God is not dead, you owe them nothing else. There is nothing else to religion or belief mm -hmm. than saying simply saying those words. It is so shallow and pathetic. And that's all it is. It's petty arguments and texting people. You shouldn't break up with somebody over text. Let, let alone let them know there's a God who wants to give you stuff. Uh, this is not even remotely scriptural, actually. Like... 
it is biblical to say, like Paul says, you know, you think you're such a good Christian because you believe in God. Even the demons believe in God and they tremble. Yeah. Low bar. And and so I just, I, I think this movie fundamentally thinks of religion as purely an information exchange. I mean, I think this movie thinks of religion as a way to turn $2 million into $60 million domestic. But uh, I think the call to action is really important to the strategy. Mm -hmm. I think it makes you feel like you're a part of something. And it, it like, again, it doesn't have to be much of a call to action. It doesn't have to be a call to actually live your life in a way more genuinely in line yep. with the, the, you know, the things that you believe. But just by making you feel like you're part of a team, part of a club, like you're stepping out. Yep. What this sells is not any concept of God. What this sells is this movie. What this yeah. sells is like that you now have a personal connection with this movie because you did a thing it told yeah. you to do. And to be clear, this is something that you were supposed to do as yeah, an audience. Because then as the credits play, it says, do the same thing. Yeah, do the same thing. Again, they screen this in lots of churches. Mm -hmm. Like uh, My mom saw this movie in a church. But in the, I mean, I think in the ethos of this film, right? Like just texting someone, God isn't dead is actually a high stakes maneuver. Yeah. Which is totally re divorced from reality, right? Like the right. vast, yeah. well, vast, vast no, majority I, of Americans I, believe that there is a God. I think you hit on like the core of this movie, which is Christians feeling persecuted. Yeah. And it and, equates Josh's situation by like voluntarily taking on someone with a PhD. Uh-huh. And Aisha, who's been almost choked out by her father, yeah. and just makes them equivalent. Well, it doesn't even make them equivalent. I think you're totally right. It makes Josh the hero. Aisha comes up to him and says, dude, that was great what you did. And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. And then he just turns back around and keeps jamming out. To the yes. news like, voice. He is the hero in this situation. No, his, Not his work is braver than hers. The woman that underwent mortal peril for her belief. This movie would have been so much better if Kevin Sorbo backhanded Josh. I would have respected this movie so much more if it at least let him have that. And you know what? In real life, he would have been sued to hell either way. Oh yeah, it does not matter. You're you're at least as culpable for like this insane thing you forced your student to do. Uh, like this whole classroom series is essentially the scene in Succession where he's making them like get on the ground like Bore on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's can't just... believe you don't know the name of Bore on the floor. I'm get sorry. Get the fuck off this I'm podcast. Sorry. Michael. But yeah, let's maybe end with Christian aggrievement. Yeah, Truly right. the core of this movie is the idea that you as a Christian are being persecuted in America. Mm -hmm. that and if you especially in academia. Yeah, well, if you proclaim your faith in any, any, any way or kind, any place, you are endangering your career and your safety. But then it says something even more specific. Kelsey, take it away. What does this movie have to say about college? It says, if you go to a secular college, uh -huh. TM, that <laughs> your faith will be attacked immediately on the first day that you go to class. You have to sign a pledge. <laughs> you have to sign a pledge to the devil. They're all godless atheists. And there will be not a single professor of faith. Absolutely not. Never existed. You will not have a single peer of faith. Except those that you personally convert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You, the you only have to Christians build your are, own squad. It's, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, don't go there. Unless you want to go there as a hero for God. Exactly. As God's defender. They call him a warrior for the faith. Like he they gets, do. He gets the military lingo in this. Yeah, he's fully canonized. Because he, he, went, he went to battle. Like he went into the war zone of, you know, I, And fascinatingly, and this is the thing that I actually cannot stop thinking about, is that Josh, the person who is set up as the hero of this film, who like risks the most for God 
is the person that actually suffers zero consequences except for shedding bitch-ass girlfriend. Well, I think, uh, and again, that is not treated as a consequence. He does not, he's not. No, he's like, she doesn't, she's never seen again. Like, we don't see them, like, like you, uh, looking I at each other. I genuinely thought there was going to be a makeup scene. Yeah, I Me thought too. that she would like come to her senses, right? Because dudes are always right in this film. Yeah, or mm-hmm. because he pulled it off. Like, right, oh, it worked. He's so you're a hero. His worth. You you're, you're not the useless scum I thought you were. I thought that there would be a Newsboys concert reconciliation. I mean, yeah. If, if they had fucked on the like floor of the Newsboys concert on the stage, I would have been much happier with this movie. But <laughs> really, what I said. I mean, I think they had to they had to make it like he had some consequences. Yeah. But it also was seen as like a net positive in the same way that when Mina has broken up with her boyfriend just before he gets hit by a car kind of mm-hmm. means that she doesn't really have to go through grief. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Like, he wasn't your partner anyway. Uh, Josh You're is, not going to feel any guilt about no, breaking his heart five not. seconds before he dies. Uh, Josh is like, oh, well, all for the best. You know, like, you lost this person who meant something to you, but all for the best because, like, your plan worked and you're yeah. better. You're so much better off without this faithless person. And it is, it is very prosperity gospel. If you mm. are faithful, then mm. nothing bad will ever happen to you and you will get everything you want. And like, it's really, really explicitly stated in the case of the missionary yeah. because he prays, right? That the car will start and then it starts. Yeah. He puts At, the bags in the car as an act of faith. And then after just, prophesying that it will rain and then yeah. it rains. And it kills a man. Yeah, yeah, and then and then stands over a body and proclaims what a good thing it is. Like, <laughs> this is a serial killer movie. Any anyone else talking like this, you'd be like, wow, this is really fucked up. <laughs> like, but yeah, I think I think the academia thing portraying colleges as dangerous dens of snakes, yeah, Roman coliseums, place where faith mm-hmm. cannot be allowed yeah. to exist. This is the fact that like, what is college actually like? Usually kind of lame, not that interesting. Mostly yeah. like high people school too. drink too much. Yeah. yeah, it's high school too. Where you can do cool shit there or you probably won't. Like, yeah, it could because you aren't cool to begin with. You'll have with. like two good professors and everyone else will be super bland. And, and like the incentive structure in academia is such that faculty members, whether they're tenured or not, honestly, are so terrified of offending anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like, don't expect there to be like strong political claims. Much less religious. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I have been in uh, a fair number of classrooms that were being taught by either militantly atheist or socialist communist professors. And what I found is that those people, more than anything, were the most fucking patient people on the fucking planet. And they, they have spend, to. They have no power. And they they're scared, spend. to be honest, right? Like, the students sure. are the ones who are writing their fucking evaluations. Yeah. But even, like, I was at UC Davis when the pepper spray incident happened. And those oh. professors stood the fuck up. They walked out of classes. They picketed with people. Like, they, they weren't being scared. They were taking a stand with the students. But still, the way that they treated their students was not with kids' gloves, but with, like, an attempt to communicate real knowledge. Like, they, they wanted totally. to share and engage and dig in and examine. They were never there to demean. And I'm talking, like, the guys that were sassy. Or, yeah. or, or the lady that didn't put up with any shit. <laughs> um, I needed a few more of her in my college experience. But, uh, True. but like, even those people, like, were so well-intentioned. I have never had... An asshole professor well, like this. I have had like, asshole it's professors. It's not like it's a glamorous job. Yeah. Oh, you want to make thirty-seven thousand dollars a year to teach sniveling dipshits who are getting like a degree in physical therapy about Shakespeare? Yeah, it fucking sucks. And so yeah. the idea that people come into this for the glamour and the power. Yeah, when the I idea was, that academia has any of that. <laughs> when I was in grad school, there was a professor in the uh, like in the department where I was getting a, my master's. Mm-hmm. 
and everybody like worshipped her because she so I went to I, I went to a school where there was like a lot of skiing around mm-hmm. and everyone's like oh this professor she's she's awesome and she is my role model because she doesn't work on Sundays because she goes skiing <laughs> so the fact that like this professor this like she wasn't even tenured yeah, fully. Yeah. She was like tenured track, right? But she wasn't all the way there. She was pretty young. Yeah. The fact that she like took one day off yeah. of the week. So she worked six days a week, was on campus for five, worked from home for one, and then skied for one. This was something, this was like a vision of work-life balance. Yeah. Revolutionary that people self-care. aspired to. Yeah. yeah, that grad students were like, she's my one hero. Day. I'm going to do it this way. And you know yeah. they're not. Like they're yeah, never, yeah, they're yeah. going to work seven days a week for sure because yeah. that's what academia actually is. It's as exploitative as most other fields of work. But Christians think anything where their point of view is not the default. This is like all the people we've talked about in this fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. Anytime you take Christianity is not the default, whether it's the state, whether it's the academy, whether it's the arts, whether it's movies, they immediately freak out. They say it's persecution and they want me uh, like a theistic point of view implanted right there right then like pluralism is the ultimate threat to like in this movie intellectual emotional and physical integrity yeah i think it begs the question why are they so scared of college like why is college Mm. so fucking dangerous uh like why does college have to be this evil Mm -hmm. and i think it really comes down to the idea that like they don't want you getting information from not them it's very important to control the flow of information in order to yeah. sell some of the ideas that are the core of our modern evangelical political movement. Uh, you have to buy into the idea that uh, the media is always lying to you and can't mm-hmm. trust anything except these outlets, that college is going to turn you into an inveterate atheist and probably pervert. Um, that <laughs> Definitely pervert, probably <laughs> atheist. Uh, if it's a good college, anyway. <laughs> Title of your sex tape. Ayo. Like, you have to reduce where the trusted sources come from. Yeah. I just think it's so important to say and acknowledge that, at so I've taught, again, at yeah. Christian and non-Christian institutions, no matter what, as students get more information and more exposure to, like, the whole history of ideas in mm-hmm. every discipline, they tend to move to the left. That is that is true. Like statistically, you can fact check me, mm-hmm. but like statistically, that is true no, is. at Christian universities, at at non Christian universities, and and the idea that like exposing students to knowledge, even in a Christian environment, will keep them in this like conservative little bubble, is the belief of someone who's never been to college. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, I hate to say this, college, if you do it right, can teach you how to think a little bit better. Be a little bit more critical about information. We love ragging on higher education on this podcast, but like honestly, it can be helpful for that. And that's the last thing they want. Yeah. Because if you think critically, you're not going to believe this sort of strange reactionary uh, theistic view of America. Well, I mean, don't worry too much because colleges are essentially just uh, job training skills for engineering degrees at this point. But true. Uh, but they do want to kill, take that dying breath from them. Yeah. And the ideal of college has always been insanely good. It's yeah. just the part where they charge you your future for it. This was, for me, the most insane piece of Christian media I, I may have ever seen. It honestly, it beat anything else we've watched on this podcast. I did mm-hmm. not think it was possible to be crazier than unplanned, but the sheer breadth of it. The fact that it's like, it's like okay, I'm going to shit on academia. 
Mm-hmm. But also, Muslims. I hate Muslims. But yeah. also, this new left blogging cancer <laughs> bitch. But also, businessmen are bad. But also, <laughs> women have dementia. <laughs> it just, there is so fucking much happening in this movie and most of it doesn't matter at all no. and the people at the center who quote unquote enact the most change are exclusively the two boring white bread fucks like yeah with full heads of hair okay okay calm, <laughs> calm it down on the tips kelsey uh, she can't she won't i cannot yeah. <laughs> I think we should get out of here. Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. I know this was a little bit of a long recording, but we appreciate you swooping in and bringing your knowledge and experience. Thanks for having me. Uh, we've mentioned it uh, in the notes, but Kelsey, the article that we discussed on your first visit has since been published, and you can find that. Uh, so it's uh, on Slate. If you want a direct link, it is at KelseyLair.com. Cool. Where can we find you on Twitter? I am at Kelsey Lair on Twitter. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Professor Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> or you can follow all of our pod shenanigans at, at shitty underscore pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. If I can ask you to do two things before we go. It's dismantle capitalism from the ground up and rate and review us on iTunes. This has been Shitty Christians. He's dead, he's surely alive. He's living.